0: warning. You are about to enter a world populated by the most appalling music ever made. Welcome to the search for the worst album of all time. This is Broken Records.
1: But I've
2: been forgotten, I do. I've been married a long time ago. Sing <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh,
2: A girl. With Kaleidoscope
1: eyes. <laughs> <laughs> You're beautiful. Hey, hey, I wanna be a
0: rock star. Hello, welcome to episode sixty-seven of Broken Records, the spin-off podcast from the Riot Act Network. We're gonna call it a network, even though it's just basically this podcast and that podcast. That's the alternative music podcast. You can listen to us every Friday, being nice about music for the most part. My name's Stephen Hill. I'm joined as ever by Mr Renfrey Deadman. Hello, Renfrey, hello, how are you?
2: Hello, I'm very, very well, Steve. How are you doing?
0: All right, thanks, mate. A little bit disturbed that you've got your Christmas tree up still. That should be taken down at this point. Yes.
2: Uh, well, a uh, small. Well, so it should be taken down at this point. The thing is, um, as we're recording this, it was actually my birthday yesterday, and I get really, mm-hmm. really upset about everyone taking their. Uh, christmas decorations down on my birthday because my birthday just happens to be epiphany Uh, so i tend to keep them up for another couple of days uh i'll I'll take them down over the weekend but it just really depresses me to take them down
0: on my birthday or around
2: my birthday you know
0: i know you think you're jesus i do (laughs) (laughs) i do i do think that yeah uh we're also joined by a guest this week we have again for his second time coming back for another shovel full of shit it's <laughs> mr tom dare from the hell bent for metal podcast our very good friend and compadre tom how are you you've you've come back after we we made you listen to loads of bad mega death last time we were on the show yeah. you've come back for another helping of badness thanks yeah. for coming on
3: it's fine well i've noticed you only seem to get me in when you've got an album that's you know called super something yeah. and really yeah. isn't but uh, so, yeah. well, thank you for having me back to uh, yeah. talk about stuff that's not very good I noticed yeah, that. We'll I noticed
2: you. that earlier. I was like, "Oh yeah, we got Tom back for we've got Tom on for Super Collider by Megadeth, and now we've got mm-hmm. you for
0: Supercharger
2: by Machine we, Head, So
0: yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get you on for Super Duper Fly by Missy Elliott <laughs> as well. <laughs>
3: Yeah, that's really my cup of tea. That's perfectly <laughs> in my zone. You know, that, is,
0: that, is, that is definitely not getting on this podcast, because that album is fucking great, by the way. But um, this is, oh, how have you been anyway, Tom? How, how was your Christmas? How's it been going? Um, what's What's been happening in the, the podcast world for you? Anything you want to plug? Anything you want to push? Now's I- your chance before we get into the crap.
3: Christmas was lovely. Uh, Hellbent for Metal's been very busy. We didn't miss a week over Christmas. We didn't take any time off. We just um, oh, went. Fuck yeah. it, let's record in advance and release it over Christmas. So if people want something that's camp and fabulous between you mm-hmm. know all the camp and fabulous Christmas time, mm-hmm. then uh, we we are available. And you know, talking about, I think we just spoke about um, White Snake f- f- just in time for New Year's on the basis that everyone who likes rock music and is going to get a bit piddled on new year's eve is going to listen to here i go again let's talk about it um so uh, (laughs) yeah we have we have lots of podcasts out go and listen to them they're all really good apparently
0: they are yeah Yeah, they are they are are. are. i like i I like you talking about i like you talking about quicksand as well i listened to uh the episode where you were chatting about quicksand and it was good to hear you being nice and discovering them as a band i would say go and listen to slip if you haven't heard that yet, because that is r- really riffy and great. Uh, have you listened? Did you, did you check out any more? Quick, uh, I listened to Slip.
3: I, that was I did enjoy that. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't, great. Because last year was just ridiculous for new music. Yeah. Keeping up with, I barely listened to anything old in about eighteen months. Um, so I haven't caught up on anything. But apart from, I did check out that though because I want to. Did they always sound like this? And went no, no, they didn't always sound like this. Um, so I didn't sound like a complete cretin. But, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What no, they, that, that, was, that was that was a good record. That one they did last year.
0: Great record. It's one of the brilliant. great records of the nineties. Love that record. Anyway. We should not be talking about good music on this show, that is not the point of this. This is where we search, as you all know, if you've been listening for a long time, for we are on the hunt for the worst album ever made in the history of music. Now we should say, as we always do before we get onto this week's album, we are not just picking these albums out of our own personal beef and spite of those albums, otherwise it would just be as lions and rise to remain and then we'd never do any more podcasts would we um no 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 these are here due to the fan reaction the critical reaction the band's reaction some kind of terrible thing like maybe a a terrorist attack for example happened around the time <laughs> that the album came out but these are not down to our own personal opinions these are just things that uh, and records that um have happened to have some sort of reputation for being bad. And this week we've got Tom on because we're going to be talking about Supercharger by Machine Head, the fourth studio album from the Oakland heavy metal band released on the 8th of October 2001. But before we do, we're going to run down the chart of the records that we've done so far. Now, we haven't done this for a little while, but because we've got a guest on, remember, and we did this the last time we had a guest on, I was thinking maybe we should do the entire rundown of the entire list what do you reckon Crikey.
2: It, it will take a while but fuck it let's do it and if It'll i if i while, deem but... it too long i'll edit it <laughs> That's fine. Fine. Yeah. Let's, okay. let's give it a go
0: okay so there are at present 66 records that we have covered on this chart 65 of them are actually in the chart starting at number 65 with the darkness one-way ticket to hell and back bob Dylan's self-portrait lou reed and metallica with lulu neil young's everybody's rocking lou reed's metal machine music red hot chili peppers one hot minute Liz Fair by Liz Fair. Uh, the Puff Pastry Hangman himself. Babylon Zoo, the boy with the X ray eyes. MTV 2.0 unplugged by Lauren Hill. Standing in the Spotlight by D.D. King. The Transformed Man by William Shatner. Baby Woman by Naomi Campbell. The Twangs, Neon Twang. The Weirdness by The Stooges. Number 1 by Fisher Spooner. Number 2 by Tin Machine. Last week's favourite, all the boys, Alvin, Simon, Theodore and Adolf, Westlife, can I be frank? Uh, cute is what we aim for with rotation, Melodia by The Vines, 3 by Van Halen, Black and White Rainbows by Bush, Primitive Cool by Mick Jagger, Trey by Green Day, Results May Vary by Limp Bizkit, Umaguma by Pink Floyd, American Life by Madonna, Be A Man by Rattro Man Randy Savage, Attila by billy joel and attila uh, songs of innocence by u2 what the by black flag love beach by emerson lake and palmer baptism by lenny kravitz we met at sea by the pigeon detectives streets in the sky by the enemy one by dirty vegas hefty fine by the bloodhound gang rediscovered by puddle of mud featuring rocket man um <laughs> razor light by Razorlight. light viva brothers famous first words christmas in the stars by star wars generation swine by motley Crue. one more light by lincoln park Super Collider by Megadeth, there it is. There Chamber is. music by nice Cold it Chamber. The- <laughs> it is, yeah. Oh yeah, it's high, don't worry. The Truth is by Theory of a Dead Man, and then getting into our top twenty. Louis the fourteenth. Is with Slick Dogs and Ponies is number 20. Yeah. The Cosmos Rocks by Queen and Paul Rogers. Richard Ashcroft's United Nations of Sound. Mr. Blobby, the album, Renfrey's Hero. Sgt. <laughs> Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, the true. original soundtrack. Uh, Eoghan Quigg with Owen Quigg. Six Feet Under's Graveyard Classics, Volume 2. Blood, Sweat and Towers by The Towers of London. Hard to Swallow by Vanilla Ice. Cut the Crap by The Clash. Angelic to the Core by Corey Feldman. Philosophy of the World by The Shags. Arsehole by Gene Simmons simmons not gene simmons gene simmons (laughs) plural um for every time he says that rock is dead which is what every kind of 15 minutes or so um Mm. total zanarchy by little zan blood on the dance floor's bad blood methods of mayhems methods of mayhem i want to bring this one up tom have you ever heard our number four true symphonic Rockesters concerto in true minor that feels like a bit of you that sounds like
3: it might be so awful i'd like it
0: it's basically James LeBrie from Dream Theater and two other blokes doing op- doing like metal, power metal versions of opera songs.
3: Oh no, hang on! I might have heard that and thought it was one of the worst things I'd ever heard in my life because I actually like opera. So if someone does yeah. like shitty versions of it, I tend to get quite grumpy. I might have to look that up and see if I'm lying. You <laughs> like, had Eternal Sunshine is. treatment
0: to get rid of the memory.
2: It is so bad. You wouldn't like it because it is really like objectively badly put together it's it, you you would you wouldn't enjoy it at all i, I guarantee you tom and, <laughs> okay
0: i'll
3: take
2: your word and, for it here yeah.
0: hearing James and here james the brave from dream theater going
1: just one <laughs>
0: is not much of nobody, an exaggeration at all nobody's idea of a good time anyway into the top three uncle crackers double wide oh, presents God. crazy hits by the crazy frog and at number one there it is unmovable for well over a year now. I'm not a fan, but the kids like it by Broken Side. And we should also say, unranked, because we didn't know what the fuck was going on there, Guns and Roses, Chinese Democracy. So that is every single album that we have covered on the podcast thus far. Tom, <laughs> with, anything, you, anything you'd anything you like to flag up there from that list?
3: Well, there were two that I actually, um, that jumped off the list and went, hang on, I like those albums. And that okay. was The Darkness and um, uh, a Babylon Zoo because i remember well, babylon zoo when i was 12
2: and- they both featured very low in the list uh, yeah. i mean mm-hmm. darkness is it is right at the bottom um uh, which means you know it's the best of those albums in theory i prefer chinese democracy but uh and um yeah babylon zoo uh we fucking love spaceman what a yeah. song what yeah, a song.
0: song the rest of the album's pretty pretty yeah, bad to be fine. fair yeah. but space man's a fucking banger i'm surprised but, that, um, that madonna
3: albums that get that low i mean i know i realize i have to now hand back my gay card but you know that madonna album is genuinely pony and not just like really, yeah, it's, it's not up it's to really match usual standards it's just no bad. Oh god
0: no 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 not at all but it does have a couple of gems in it one of them being the best second best Bond theme
1: ever after living uh, Daylights no, by I'm not having it. by r Less- no not get into this argument again the
3: best (laughs) bond theme is carly simon
2: oh nobody does that's
0: all right
3: exactly exactly that is the best bond theme and there are other opinions but they aren't right
0: i take that for some i mean i like all the Duran Duran. basically made the bond themes good and then they kind of had a few years where they were good and then they kind of got crap again that's what i think basically
3: whereas i hate simon lebon so you
0: can't sing but he's a right bloke
3: well i'm sure he's a lovely man but i can't stand his voice or his lyrics so that's a problem
2: <laughs> this is a bit of a deviation it's still great yeah but have you heard radiohead's version of nobody does it better tom because it's actually uh very no good.
3: but i'm gonna do that as soon as we finish this
2: podcast because yeah, like yeah. i'm surprised I'm sh- i haven't i'm sure it's it on youtube though well, i must be on youtube it's it's yeah it's very good yeah so, i will look that anyway up. there
0: you go little extra bit of Bonus bond theme content for you there, everyone. <laughs> um, Machine Head, let's get into this. Machine Head, super Co- supercharger, super collider—I nearly called it. <laughs> That's the Megadeth album that we've already done. Supercharger.
3: Now let's, talk, let's you- not blame them for both records. <laughs> no, That's too no, much. No,
0: no, De- no, definitely not. No, I think they've, they've done a few. They've done enough bad stuff, Machine Head, that we don't have to like pin other bad things on them as well.
1: Very. Eighth of
0: October, two thousand and one. The same came out. Now, Machine Fucking Head. Who doesn't? Love metal and love Machine Head, eh? They are one of, I think, the most kind of beloved bands in the last 30 years of the genre, particularly here in the UK. But, you know, let's not sugarcoat it at all. They have made a few missteps over the years, and this is generally considered one of the big ones. Um, broadly speaking, gents, your thoughts on Machine Head as a band, Tom?
3: They're a, f- they're a slightly funny band to be a, b- a fan of because when they're, they're good they are so fucking good that you're just like why are they how have they not kind of cemented their state as like my favourite band Agreed. and then you remember oh yeah that's because they have a tendency to make some poor decisions yeah. and it usually it's often like it's it's not that they're, they're not good music well I say they it's mostly Rob Flynn It's not that Rob is a bad musician. He's not a bad singer. He's not a bad harsh vocalist. He's not a bad guitarist. He's not a bad songwriter. It's just occasionally he's made a choice where you've gone, you sure that was the best thing to do there, Rob? And they've done some genuine rubbish for it. They also spent way too long making the blackening. Like They made the blackening three times, and you went, well, the first one was really good. You should probably not do that again. (laughs) Um, And then Unto the Locust was... The Blackening Part Two, and then Bloodstone and Diamonds was The Blackening Part Three, and then they made cats' asses, and everyone disagreed on everything. Um, and <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it, the first two records, though, and The Blackening, like anyone arguing with them is, I just think wrong. They're yeah. fucking amazing, amazing music.
0: Remfrey, um, my mate texted me earlier when we were talking about Machine Ed and he said, "Is there any other metal band?" whose highs are so high and their lows are so low. Megadeth. The only other one I can think of... Meg- <laughs> well, I don't even think Megadeth's highs get as high as Machine Head, personally. In my Metallica, opinion, I'd agree with that as well. Ma- Metallica, yeah, Metallica are the only one that I can think of.
2: Mm, I, I would agree with that as well. I, it's weird. I, I I absolutely adore Machine Head. And weirdly, I completely agree with everything that Tom just said there in regarding their highs and their lows and the decision-making sometimes with Machine Head is balmy absolutely balmy yeah um but i think those highs are so high i, I weirdly i i kind of sometimes love them even more for the for the risks that they take um sometimes those risks pay off sometimes those risks really don't pay off but I kind of admire them even more just for the fact that they even try to take those risks sometimes very occasionally I'm like what on earth are you doing very occasionally sometimes I'm what on earth are you doing, you know, but um, I, 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 am, I adore Machine Head and sometimes I would forgive them things that I might not forgive other metal bands, I think because they are prepared to take those risks.
1: Hmm,
0: that's fair enough. Now, I don't think we should go too much into the early years of Machine Head because no doubt on a future Riot Act classic album, we will certainly be doing those first couple of records, I would imagine. So we're going to just start from where i think the problems sort of start to begin for machine head and for my money and they're not the only band that suffer from this the problems that machine head and a lot of those kind of alternative metal proto new metal if you'd like to call it bands new school of metal from that kind of post pantera era of the early to mid 90s um it was that changing to new metal as it's like new metal becoming a word, new metal becoming a genre, that I think is where the problems for a lot of those bands really started to um, to crop up. Now, Fear Factory and Typo Negative could definitely coexist with Korn and Deftones, but for them to coexist alongside Limp Bizkit or Insane Clown Posse and sort of be thought of as a similar thing, I think that's a harder thing for them to balance to be kind of considered the same genre and by 1999 um those bands the bis- the limp biscuits the kid rocks those sort of artists are the ones who are very definitely winning the war f- and for attention and space within the the kind of main more mainstream rock publications your Kerrangs and metal hammers and stuff is that fair to say would you think
3: i think it's pretty indisputable really i Mm. mean it's it's it i think the the comparison to to pantera is an interesting one because they machine head sound like they couldn't really have existed without pantera like if you don't have cowboys from hell and far beyond driven and vulgar display of power and maybe not probably getting my years wrong and you um far beyond driven came at the same year as burn my eyes but you get my point right it's like without that groove and that being able to do something that is that in, in, initiates that much movement but remains so fucking brutal I'm not sure you get Burn My Eyes I don't think you get Davidian is not a song that I think can can really exist without that happening first but at the same time can you really see any connection between you know fucking hostile and um, nookie not really and if you start moving from one to the other it becomes slightly awkward it doesn't really it's like it's like a kind like you're trying to sew together two different kind of cars, right? It's like you're trying to do a cut and shunt between an SUV and a, a Nissan Micro. It's like well, it's, it's not really going to fit together, and That's it's it's kind of that kind of thing.
2: Really good analogy for the a lot of the issues with this record. Actually, I I like that a lot. Yeah, sewing two cars together which don't fit at all. That is um that is the 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 issue with. Uh, a lot of this album yeah
0: yeah i think when you look at kind of pantera being the band who i guess maybe not invented but certainly popularized that groove metal thing in their wake you get machine Ed, yes definitely you also get bands like helmet um and you can see where helmet become where pantera becomes helmet and helmet becomes corn and corn becomes limp biscuit and limp biscuit becomes lincoln park I can definitely see that through line but you need to have all of those individual elements present in the cogs to make all those things happen. So on one hand I don't want to go like it's Pantera's fault that Linkin Park and Head PE happened or whatever but I do think that Pantera are obviously the catalyst for... A lot of stuff. And Rage Against the Machine. I think, you know, Faith the More, Rage Against the Machine, Pantera, they're kind of these catalyst bands for what became alternative metal with Danzig, Rollins Band, Helmet, you know, we've already mentioned Quicksand earlier. I think you chucked them in as well. Deftones, Corn, Fear Factory, Biohazard, that kind of thing happening was still, to me, always linked close enough to what was great about metal initially. When you go back to those kind of classic bands of the eighties. By nineteen ninety-nine, that shit's kind of gone. Do you know what I mean? Like all of that, all of all of like all of those bands are even from sort of six years ago, a kind of they're not associated really with new metal. And I think with every passing year, um metal was getting more rap or electronic influence every single year as it went on and further and further away from the traditional sound of heavy metal. Um, which was just what was selling. You know, it was on MTV. It was considered cutting edge and exciting by magazines. And I think you've got to kind of, you've got to join them if you can't beat them kind of thing. The bands who completely ignored the trends of new metal suffered a fairly sizable dip in popularity, I think. If you look at Corrosion of Conformity, Type of Negative, Life of Agony, those bands kind of disappeared a little bit, you know, from being very, very popular in 94, 95, they really, really suffered. The ones who joined in with the new metal bandwagon thing started dressing differently, started acting like, you know, kind of adopting new metal a bit more. Soulfly or what you know, Max or whatever Matt's Cavalier was doing. Fear Factory, again, you know, Digimortal. Way more of a kind of clean sounding, new metally sounding record than, you know, soul of a new machine or demanufacture.
1: Well,
3: they were even doing it on obsolete, weren't they? Edgecrusher is a new metal song, clearly. Yeah, yeah,
0: totally, totally. Um, I mean it wasn't the entire record, but certainly again, like they're covering Cars by Gary Newman and they're you know, they're going for it. So I think a lot of those bands, you get a quick boost to their popularity and then a lot of scepticism in the aftermath. That seemed to be the thing with a lot of those bands. I think if you look at Fear Faction and Soulfly, they're both really, really good examples.
2: Let's not forget that Slayer did it as well. Diabolus and Musica. Slayer. No, no, no. Let's Slayer. definitely
3: forget that Slayer did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. Let's, yeah. I mean, for-
3: there's a broken record for you.
2: Yeah. I don't think that's in the... That should be in the hat,
0: shouldn't they? I think that it is, yeah. be. Oh, okay, okay. Mm. But for me, I think Machine Head, when you think of band from that era jumping on the new... Like, really jumping on the new metal bandwagon and... um maybe getting an initial like zoop up because of it but then just getting a massive kind of critical or a massive kind of fan backlash to it machina to me do feel like the band that got it more than anyone else i think
2: it Was funny listening back to this record i definitely feel like there were so many bands who did that i just you know i just mentioned slayer and you kind of said that slayer got away with it without too many people i mean to be fair they only did it for one record and then they released god hates us all which you know is an absolutely I, its actually my favorite slayer record god hates us all um personally yeah uh it's not the best but it is you know um but uh, yeah i think because i think most people were uh, you know they lost some fans with the burning red but there's it's un doubtedly a better record than supercharger and 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 there are things on burning red which are eyebrow raising to say the least you know the police cover and all that sort of thing um but there's certainly there's a lot more eyebrow raising stuff on supercharger than there is on the burning red i think yeah, I think so. Yeah.
0: Um, we should say, so Logan Madder left to join Soulfly. I remember seeing The Machine Head I saw with Dave McLean, Rob Flynn, Adam Juice, Logan Madder. I saw in 1997 at the Astoria with Entombed and Misery Loves Company. It was fucking brilliant. It's one of the great gigs that I went to in the 90s. I absolutely ama- They were amazing. And then um, I was gutted to see Logan Madder leave because I thought he was brilliant. And they replaced him with that man who looked like a bug, Aru Luster. <laughs> uh, he looks like a sort of... Disney bug, doesn't he? You know, he's got big eyes and he had sort of funny hair and I was like, "Oh, he's a an unusual looking chap." And uh they got Ross Robinson in to produce The Burning Red and they did some rapping, they did the 80s cover thing as Renfrey's mentioned. They wore some really quite ridiculous clothes. Let's be honest, you know, the orange tracksuits and stuff. Yeah, the mad. orange
3: tra- tracksuit and that haircut were yeah. just I mean, it was a crime against fashion in its time. I think everyone at yeah. the time went, that looks a bit shit, Rob. Are you sure you want to wear that? And it, and yeah. obviously someone thought it looked cool because they didn't tell him to you know, get rid of those bloody things in his head but it it dated instantly
2: that's such a good point because you know there were like i remember looking at corn on follow the leader all that weird sort of if you look at the inlay and the the booklet like they look so sort of weird and being like think thinking that's really cool but then seeing rob flynn in that tracksuit with that hair yes even at the time it was like no 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 no, no. (laughs) what what, what are you doing um yeah that's a very good point
0: so what do you think of the burning red tom just before we go any further there
3: is the kernel of a really good record in there but it's not the one they actually made i have no problem with the concept of what they are trying to do apart from the police cover which we'll get to Mm. but in terms of the idea I don't think it's the worst idea they've ever had. Because actually, when they do get it right, and I think Exhale the Vile," I know everyone talks about From This Day is like the song from it, but Exhale the Vile" is the song where I go, no, that's the most interesting one. That's a really fucking good song. and Really it does underrated. Yeah. Really underrated, and it mixes really well yeah. the, the new metal thing and the thing Machine Head had on the first two records. Like, It's got that kind of really aggressive groove to it. Um, and it's also got that new metal stomp to it. So when they did that, I thought those bits of the, the record are really good. It's got some terrible stuff on it. And not, we'll get to the police cover because everyone talks about that. But that's not, for me, the worst crime of the record. Silver, I think, is the worst. It's like no one wants a crap new metal ballad. That's an no, awful, that's awful bad, song, song yeah. Hmm. And yeah, you know, that's that's an original. A, a dodgy cover is kind of well, you know, it's just a choice. But no, you sat down and wrote that and that went, no, I think that's really good, and put it on the album. And it's hmm. like, there's some there's some really good songs to that album. There's some really poor songs to the album. There's some kind of middling stuff, and then there's a police cover. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, initially the album did go down rather well, yeah. um, which oh, it was people fucking don't everywhere remember now four k's four k's in Kerrang, um and it would have got in fact it's morat who reviewed it for Kerrang and said were it not for the song the burning (laughs) red it would have got a five perfect
2: 5k score is what the review says that's interesting because i i mean i I maybe i don't know if you guys will agree or disagree but i think the song the burning red is one of the best things on that record and i think it's one of the greatest risks they ever took in in terms in terms of pulling it off but you
3: know i'm with my (laughs) rap
2: okay fine fine
0: i am a little bit yeah Yeah. um the enemy gave it three out of ten which actually makes it good for metal back in (laughs) the 90s because obviously they didn't like any metal at all um it also got nine out of ten in metal hammer from neil kakani and i found that issue uh and um I found it upstairs. I've got the review and I pulled a few quotes up from it. He said it's Machine Head's most commanding release yet. Precisely why it demands your attention so completely and corrosively. At the moment of least import, Machine Head have freed up everything. At a time when they could quite legitimately feel no need to push themselves beyond fan pleasing, they've upped the ante into panic. It's that opening up, that wide panning sense of reinvigoration. Uh, reinv- reinvigorating possibility that makes a burning red such a surprise such a sure shot to the skull this band are back in style more importantly they sound like they believe the world is up for grabs again no reason on earth it isn't an undeniable unmissable return now i wouldn't quite say that to be fair
3: i think there's a little more enthusiasm than i've ever heard for that record in my life and i remember that album coming out so
2: yeah it, it also sort of indicates that they kind of lost something with more things change which i mean i know you disagree with steve because i know that's your favorite machine head record and i i i I don't i think more things change is amazing personally i think it's
0: sign of the times isn't it in two years so you think in in 1997 when the more things change came out uh that year i think we've spoken about before um three dollar bill y'all and um science Bancubus came out just off the top of my head there's two albums that came out like new metal becoming more popular but not massive. Then you get to 1998 and you got Around the Fur, you got Follow the Leader. And I think that's when you, that really, to me, was when it marks a significant shift away from a lot of those bands who, I mean, the the first Cold Chamber album was 97. Obviously, you know, that was a big hit. And yeah, I think that's when it sort of starts to change a little bit. And then it's like, oh, those bands you know like i say your biohazards and your life of agonies and your you know those those sort of things are a, a little bit more passe and there's a lot of new stuff coming through in 1999 and i just think it's it's rather than saying oh machine it aren't good anymore or machine head have lost it it was more like people care more about this other thing now and and, and that's what i mean is like people stopped kind of thinking of machine it as you know when i was first getting to metal around sort of 95 96 sepultura corn deftones danzig fear factory ministry nine inch nails tall all of that stuff even metallica would all be lumped in that this is all the same thing essentially mm-hmm. but then you get to 1999 and there's to me there's a very clear divide between the there's corn and the the bands that came along with corn and then there's all the stuff before that and i think machine ed were oh, we're all the stuff before that, so we need to find a way to manoeuvre ourselves into a position where people think of us more as, you know, head PE and ultra spank and snot and bands like that, you know?
3: I think there's an interesting conversation to be had Then it's probably not, this probably isn't the place for it, because it's quite a long one, about how, generally speaking, rock and, and, and music culture in general was comparatively homogenised at that kind of time, because you were so... um Dictated to by what you could get your hands on, and that getting your hands on what you wanted was comparatively difficult. You know, you you might have yeah. mail order, but that's a kind of slow thing, or you had to go physically go to a shop. You didn't have Amazon, you didn't have Spotify, you didn't have iTunes, you didn't have any of that. So, if you wanted to hear something, and you didn't know it existed, but you know that was the kind of thing that you would like, it was actually really difficult to find to it, to find it. You were completely. Um, kind of enthrall to mtv2 or, or Kerrang or whichever magazine you read at the time i certainly was cranked at that point so the idea that you could find what you were looking for if it wasn't the thing that was most popular was comparatively difficult and it's why i th- or why i think anyway you at that point you have this explosion of underground scenes all over the place so you have the black metal scene that starts, you have this amazing death metal scene that starts in, in Canada, and, and all these kind of places go, well, we're not really interested in the metal that's happening at the moment, so we're going to make our own. And if you, that was fine if all you wanted to do was you know make some records that you thought were cool, but if you wanted it to be a career, you know, Gorgats aren't really going to go all that many places. So I'd be interested to kind of see the effect, if there's any kind of measurable way you could do it, of how... The different way that music culture worked at that point really affected how much you could swim against the, the tide without just being pushed under.
0: I think a lot of it is to do with the fact that new people were being brought into metal as a genre en masse due to bands like Corn and Limp Biscuit and it's particularly 1999 you think again significant other comes out in 1999 the first slipknot album comes out in 1999 you got the first system of a down album coming out the year before you get stuff like wisconsin death trip by static x which was on a major label and getting pushed and stuff and and all of those bands were this is the future and it really felt to me like even something like like caius to me i remember getting the caius albums and being like this is old music this is those albums come out like Three years before i got them and they felt like they came from a different completely different world a completely different time they might as well have been led zeppelin albums you know they might as well have been beatles albums as far as i was concerned and that perception the last thing in rock and metal at that point if you wanted like you say tom to make a career out of it the last thing you wanted to be seen as was old hat passe Mm -hmm. old school you know iron maiden weren't Doing business with back then were they Iron Maiden were were Blaze Bailey, yeah they were playing you know they couldn't sell out Brixton Academy back then mm. you know and let alone if you were Saxon or I mean fucking what? Lord only knows what what sort of venues those bands were playing
3: even Judas Priest I mean say I yeah, it Priest. was Tim Ripper Owens but you know yeah mm. even they were but you know
0: they they could barely sell out the Astoria at that point mm. Dio could barely sell out the LA too i remember rightly around kind of 98 99 so you know people didn't have this was a period where people didn't have this reverence for metals but you know it was it's probably the only time really in the history of metal that that has happened but i really feel like it happened and i really feel like a lot of those bands you know particularly what max did i think max probably did it most successfully because you know he sort of helped to kind of invent that with roots and whatever but fear factory and you know there were a lot of those bands who went for a kind of new metal thing and not many of them did it that successfully i like the burning reds i think its reputation as the kind of the new metal rap metal album in Machine Ed's career is 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 slightly unfair because there's two rap songs on it and they're both good i think as well um obviously it's got the the message in the bottle cover which is pretty poo but they're hardly the only band you know what I mean? They're not. It's not like that was an exclusive. Oh, Machine Head did this terrible '80s cover. Well, you all did. Lo- you yeah. all did.
2: Loads of those bands did. Loads mm. of them.
0: Yeah. I mean, we've all heard "Blue Monday" by Orgy and "Fucking Shout" by Disturbed. Do you know what I mean? Like th- th-
3: you spin me round by Dope.
0: <laughs> yeah. Or um, what? The, the "Shock the Monkey" by the, I mean "Shock the, oh, the Monkey."
3: Oh, that was terrible.
0: I mean, what's worse, "Message in a Bottle" or "Shock the Monkey"? "Shock the Monkey."
3: For
2: my money. shot the monkey is isn't it yeah. I, mean, I think
3: I'll, it is i'll have death please
0: <laughs>
2: yeah the band or the concept i mean that would definitely, definitely be concept? that would definitely <laughs> be better but i mean it either is better than shot the monkey yeah. yeah 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 but yeah
0: for me stuff like you know um blood the sweat the tears exile the vile you said uh nothing left five i think they're really good machine head songs and overall I think it's a good album. Whether they need the shell suits and the spiky hair and the mad bug-eyed faces is mm-hmm. a different story. But actually, listening back to it today, it's all right. That record it's quite it's pretty fucking good. It's got some bangers on it.
3: The only thing I would say about it is that it sounds dated in nineteen ninety nine. It sounds like a record from two or three years earlier to me. I mean, that's the kind of sound that I associate yeah. with Corn. Kind of right at the the start, of the time they started doing singles off "Follow the Leader." Like that's yeah. that's the kind of sa- it sound it's it's recreating. Which of course, by 1999, is a little bit past it, because mm. you've already by that stage you've got the first Slipknot record, as you said, and you've got the first System of Damn record, and those two were kind of like, wow, what's this new thing? And at the other end, you've got you have got stuff like I mean, I, I hate to say it, but I really quite liked Science by Incubus, and you know, if you wanted oh. something lighter, that's that was a really good record for the time. So it's it kind of it had been kind of overtaken already in its own time. So it was, it was kind of a dated record already. It sounded like, and I don't, I, I don't think it was cynical, right? Rob Flynn has never come across as the guy who is chasing the buck. He's okay. not going to do something which is incredible career suicide. He's not that stupid. He might have tried, but he's not going to intentionally do it. But what he is, is very interested in what his peers are doing. And he's always been a musician's musician. Like, he's, he's very obviously look around at what other people are doing and saying, oh, this is cool. Oh, this is cool, too. And I think he must have got really enthused with what other people were doing and thought, hey, I'm going to join in. But the problem was that it wasn't really him kind of having a new idea. It was him kind of say, taking what other people were doing, taking what he'd done before and putting the two together. And everyone else had kind of moved on.
0: I mean, you could throw the same accusation at Roots by Sepultura.
3: I mean, Ooh. which is my favourite
0: Sepultura album. You could, you could say, Matt's Cavalera heard the first Korn album, went, let's get the producer from that. Let's do something similar to what they're doing. Uh, but it's just that Korn weren't the, the zeitgeist. They were a hot young band when that first album came out, but they weren't the band.
3: I think Sepultura had way more ideas of their own that no one else was doing at all on the roots. Yeah,
0: definitely. Definitely. But, but broadly speaking, you're getting in the same producer and you're, you're adopting a similar-esque tone to that first corn album guitar wise but it's just that the song it's just the songs are so good and like you say you go let's go out to the jungle and record a bunch of stuff out there and make it our own whereas machinehead didn't really do that and that thing is being done more
2: yeah i, I think that i mean i mean roots uh, arguably that sort of tribal metal thing um hadn't been done all that much up to that point and arguably hasn't been done better even now fucking what how long is it 25 a long, a long long time after that i'm sure there'll be examples here and there but as an album as a whole i'm not sure if it has been done as much I, i think that's a really good point that you made there tom about burning red sounding a little bit dated even in 1999 and once we get to 2001 with supercharger you know it really 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 felt passe and and again due to that thing that you were saying about access to music and how this is the the beautiful thing about streaming and the internet and the fact that you can listen to whatever you want is we don't have to have waves of fashion anymore you, you don't have to have this thing where well this thing isn't cool anymore and this isn't the thing that's being pushed anymore so you can't listen to it that has been eradicated and and has gone which is undoubtedly a good thing but that wasn't the case at the time it was what was being pushed on to you because if you wanted to listen to canadian black metal as an example or something you know you'd have to pay 23 pounds to uh, get it on import you know for one cd
3: or trade tapes you'd have to have a pen pal who lived yeah. in you know in Bergen or wherever that you want, was the band you wanted to hear, and yeah. there was a very limited number that they'd have because yeah. they'd only have like what was local or what they got from other real people that they'd written to, exactly. and waited three weeks to arrive.
2: Basically, the effort that you would have to go to to get stuff that wasn't being pushed by your karangs and your hammers and. Terrorizer wasn't a thing at that point, was it? Yes, but, you it, know, grew, yeah, it was. Well, I apologies, but, but it, it wouldn't you know, have had anything to do with that. No, no, it wouldn't have anyway. But the effort you'd had to go to would have been monstrous compared to what you have to do now. You know,
1: yeah,
0: so, yeah. It is also worth pointing out, I think, in terms of a missed opportunity for raising their profile around this time, Machine were on tour in the US um as the main support as discussed on our chamber music episode by with cold chamber which you want to go and check that out um main support to cold chamber alongside openers amen and slipknot on the first slipknot album going on second poor cold as discussed at the time
3: task it is following that
0: (laughs) i know so machined were following slipknot oh god but but i mean you know you think it would be difficult for Machina to follow Slipknot but fucking fuck fuck being Cold Chamber who could barely <laughs> look like they could even hold their instruments back in those days. Um
3: and I've got to go on after davidian right? It's like yeah. davidian's yeah. finished yeah, Little yeah. Break, next up from me Loco.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Which is
0: pretty much what it was. Now, it's tempting to suggest that Slipknot stole almost all of everybody's Thunder back in nineteen ninety nine. And you would have to release a pretty fucking special album to repeat to to, to compete with that and you know and the burning red as much as i like it is not that record but there was talk yeah. there was talk of that tour coming to the uk but with Machine Head as the headliners now if you put that bill in going across the uk in 1999 amen on first then slipknot then cold chamber i mean fuck me no nope. No wonder it didn't happen, because Coal Chamber, I believe, were the first to cry off and be like, oh, we don't want to do it. Because I just don't think, I think they knew. I think they must have known. But Cold Chamber, because um, uh, Machine were the most sort of significantly sizable band in the UK at that point, that tour was rumoured to be coming over to the UK. Um, Coal Chamber cried off, um, as I said, and apparently didn't get on so well with everybody on that tour um, around that period. So they decided to do their... Co-headlining shows, as we discussed. Renfrew, you and I, Mm -hmm. again on the Cold Chamber episode with Typo Negative at the Astoria. Co-headliner, in inverted commas, (laughs) where basically they were going on first after Static X pulled out. So, co-headliner, even though they only did like 40 minutes, and Typo Negative did like two hours. Co-headliner, yeah, yeah, sure. (laughs) Um, uh, And Slipknot, with the hype becoming absolutely uncontrollable, Uh, decided to do their own uk headlining show at the astoria which you may well have heard a few people mention as being quite good over the years but it left machine heads doing a uk tour with just amen left just amen and amen then had to pull out as apparently one of them couldn't get a visa or couldn't get clearance to come over to the uk so amen didn't do it and it meant that this monster package tour that was coming over from metal tour that was coming over from the us of machine head coal chamber slipknot and amen was now just machine head and openers one minute silence which i saw at brixton academy and um was
3: it not the greatest night of your life steve
0: (laughs) no no i mean it would have been a massive crowning moment for machine head i feel at that point had they have done that bill i just feel like it would have been like such a massive you know essentially bringing all of the most exciting bands in metal around even whether or not you like cold chamber they were big at that point right and machina would have been there at the top of the tree with slipknot and amen but it kind of became a non-event the tour didn't sell out they didn't sell out brixton academy they were fine at brixton absolutely fine nowhere near as good as the Astoria show i saw in 1997 nowhere near as good but they were fine but it's I always kind of pinpoint that as the moment where I'm like, I personally became far less invested in Machine Head after that show because I could see that things were going in a different direction. I could see that it was. They weren't as good. The new material didn't sound quite as good live. People weren't that interested. You had the Slipknot show like a week before that everyone went absolutely berserk at. And I was just like oh yeah I kind of feel like and you could tell people were a bit like eh. and you know they went and did the lost weekend um in the year 2000 at the now defunct london arena with skunk and Nancy headlining that day um i didn't go to that day it was two days at festival and i went to the day when nine inch nails pulled out which is a fucking pain in the ass but you know if you think 1999 new metal's kind of riding high by two thousand. It, machine had are scene as these kind of bandwagoners into new metal which is just absolutely peaked at that point. LD50 by Mudvayne, The Sickness by Disturbed, Infest by Papa Roach, Spit by Kitty, Butterfly by Crazy Town came out of the year as well. And most importantly of all, you've got Hybrid Theory and Chocolate Starfish selling more than maybe Metal has ever sold, bar like the Black Album.
3: Wasn't that the time when Limp Biscuit became the first band to have a simultaneous UK number one single and album since the Beatles?
0: Something like that, yeah.
3: When they were just, they were so big, they were, you know, they weren't quite as big as the Beatles because, you know, no one apart from Macy DC is, but they were fucking staggeringly big.
0: Yeah, they were really big. And I mean, we spoke, we did our Pearl Jam special the other day, we were talking about Versus being the you know the in the US in SoundScan the, the biggest selling first week fastest
2: selling album in one week fastest yeah.
0: selling album in one week was versus by pearl jam limp biscuit broke that with chocolate starfish sold like well over like 1.3 million copies in the first week of release in the US alone mm. and then hybrid theory still i think remains the biggest selling debut album of the 21st century
2: wouldn't surprise me if it is still yeah. you know
0: i mean it was impressive to see Bands like Pantera getting to number one and Machine Ed, you know, selling out the Astoria and, you know, but that period around 2000, that is just a, a whole new thing, really, isn't it? And I hated most of those bands, but it is a whole new level of kind of... Success that we're talking about at this point.
2: Well, I think... I mean, I think the, the point that you're trying to get at is the difference between 1999 and the attitude towards New Metal and the attitude towards New Metal in 2001 was chalk and cheese. Right. So different.
3: Attitude, yeah. If you look at it creatively, though, what it's doing in 2001, it's quite interesting that some of its big proponents are already starting to shift a little bit away from it. Yeah. So that's the... Obviously... I think it was about three weeks before supercharger came out you 've got toxicity, which is kind of it 's yep. new metal Inflected, but that 's not a new metal. They are well out of that now they yeah. like there 's kind of that 's in their DNA perhaps, but they 're not that banned and you 've got Iowa at the same year yeah right, and yeah. at that point you 're going where well, you 've got some people who are kind of best known for new metal who are branching out in a big way uh, and it's it 's kind of at the point where most of the things that you can do with new metal have been done and a bunch of people are going
0: should we do something else? And yeah. you can see the
3: seeds of it. White being, Pony as well. You yeah. chuck White
0: Pony in there. I mean, you know... Uh,
3: I mean, there's plenty of things I'd like to chuck White Pony into.
0: God, don't mad this. But anyway... Um,
3: but, <laughs> you won't be coming uh, back, Tom.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just doing
3: it to wind you up.
0: I know. Just to give you an idea as well about the kind of the size of those bands, and I'm sure everybody knows this, um, Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park has gone six times platinum in the United Kingdom. That is 1.8 million copies. Burn My Eyes is the biggest selling machinehead album um in the UK, but but the Burning Red sold 160,000 copies and went and went gold, yeah. which is pretty good, you know. Yeah. Like that feels pretty good to sell 160,000 copies of a metal album, you know. In the in the mid nineties, that would be considered like good in the UK, but compared to Lincoln Park, 1.8 million albums sold, mm. absolutely fucking mental it's also a time like you say tom where i mean for again for me personally in 2000 you've got relationship with command about the driving rated r by queens of stone age murder on by perfect circle everything everyone to know about silence by glass jaw black seeds of vengeance by nile white pony as we mentioned after the eulogy by boys it's fire human 2.0 by norsem i mean there were just too many other interesting oh
3: what a fucking album that yeah, is
0: there were just too many other interesting artists yeah. from the underground or breaking into the mainstream for me to really care too much about a band that used to be a great groove metal band who are now just sort of doing new metal for me to get that excited. Let's not forget
2: the workhorse movement.
0: Yes, you're right. Sorry, I should say the definitive band of, <laughs> of, of 2000, the workhorse movement. <laughs> little joke there. <laughs> Do you remember the workhorse movement, Tom?
3: I, I was rapidly trying to Google. I've never heard
2: of them. Oh, what? mate the yellow mustard suits
0: keep the Sabbath dream alive <laughs> fucking banger <laughs> absolute banger
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: you don't remember that oh wow there you go I thought they were Mate, uh, that... well, wait, to give you some idea of the quality of that band they open for Pitch Shifter, as all the best bands do. Oh, I like Pitch Shifter, so,
1: Pit Shifter.
3: I like Pitch Shifter so I saw one of my uh, quite early gigs was seeing Pitch Shifter supporting Bad Religion at Bricks and Astoria, and they were fucking great. Oh,
2: Pitch Shifter were always great live. Yeah, 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 always, always, always. Yeah, it was Sona Farik, the workhorse movement of Pitch Shifter. I remember that tour. It was the Deviant tour, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah.
0: I got thrown out of the Reading University. They, they chucked me out for kissing J.S. Claydon. I got on stage and kissed J. <laughs> J.S. Claydon on his forehead. And they threw me out. (laughs) It's a conversation about consent that someone should have had with me before (laughs) that show,
1: really. (laughs) Quite, yeah. yeah.
0: Anyway, the chat in the build-up to Supercharger was that they were at least trying to bring those long-term fans back. In the January 6th, 2001 issue of Kerrang! In their year-ahead preview, Rob Flynn was interviewed about the band's forthcoming album and he had this to say. It's fired up musically and riff wise it reminds me of the burn of burn my eyes there's a lot more up-tempo bruisier riffs vocally we're starting where the burning red left off and taking it to the next level we're taking our sound to places that i don't hear other bands going
2: thoughts on that chaps
3: and there's a very good reason for it
2: (laughs) god i mean that uh, it feels like he's just playing a game of opposites or something um it sounds
3: like he's doing some media spin
2: to me that's a very polite way of putting it um taking it to places where other bands haven't taken it um yeah Uh, i mean the first coal chamber album (laughs) four years previously had done a lot of what supercharger ended up doing hadn't it i I mean goodness me yeah wow
3: and there's some definite infesty moments as well and that was only about 18 months before
2: yeah Here's another
0: interesting quote as well, and this made me go, oh no, bless him. When asked about the reaction to the burning red, he said, that stuff just came with the territory. If people choose to see the bad in something, then they can. We, drew, we draw more fans now than we ever have, and I think people have a problem with that too. We weathered the storm with our dignity and integrity in t- intact. Interesting to think that they thought they'd weathered the storm at this point. This is like going, like a bit of rain hitting you and going, whew, weathered the storm and then a fucking tsunami just coming up by, behind you, isn't it? But he says, uh, when I hear the new stuff, I know that it is better, if not the best stuff that there is out there. That's all I can really be concerned with. Oh,
1: crikey. Mm.
3: So he, he's, he's undercooking it. So he's, he's leaving a lot, of, of lot, to, uh, lot for it to grow on you. There's no risk of him overhyping it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I I do think the whole, oh, well, you know, we we weathered the storm. It's like, lads. You haven't got a clue, have you? This is the the gentle breeze before the fucking tornado
2: hits, I'm afraid, lads. yeah, yeah. It
3: is the fart before the absolute avalanche of shit, shit. shit yourself, your yeah, way. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. There's a bonus track. Um, on. I have the Digipack version of Supercharger for my sins. And um, there's a bonus track from the sessions called Tenfold. Are uh, either of you familiar with this track? No. It's no. another... Um, bad rap metal attempt in 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 the same way that say white knuckle blackout is or maybe even american high you know we'll go into the record itself oh god um I, I, to be fair in my opinion i actually think it is better than both of those songs but that's not saying an awful lot at all but um, you
3: know so is standing on lego in bare feet yeah,
2: exactly
0: <laughs> that would make you go oh, oh, oh wouldn't it? <laughs>
2: Very nice. Give you a
0: legitimate reason to do that, to be
2: fair. Very nice. Uh, um but it is it's basically a diss track, and I thought it was worth bringing it up because the, <laughs> the the lyrics are so atrocious. They go, you thought the burning red sucked, fuck you and your bitch. I spilled my goddamn guts. This shit's as real as it's gonna get, cutting you out of my life, so go on, sing me a choir. I wouldn't piss in your ass if your shit was on fire. <laughs> i thought that was worth mentioning tenfold is uh, I'm well worth listening to not i um, this is not a recommendation for me but just just to as a what the fuck that sounds like ollie sykes yes yes <laughs> yeah that is kind of ollie sykes level isn't it yeah bad bad i'd still prefer it to white knuckle blackout and american high but you know yeah we'll get into the
0: lyrics of this in a little bit but um <laughs> I am surprised that, that that didn't make the record with lyrics like "I oh, piss, you wouldn't piss in your." I ass. wouldn't
2: piss in your ass if your shit was on fire. I mean, eloquent, he's uh, imaginative, poet. He paints with words. Yeah, uh, yeah there we go what could happen
0: to you to make your shit burst into flames i don't i um particularly hot far
2: with it with it yeah within your body as well i don't know it's a very uh
3: white phosphorus grenade that you thought was a dildo possibly
0: <laughs> <laughs> possibly we've all been there
1: we've, uh, all,
0: <laughs> we've all been there Anyway, um the band brought in producer Johnny Kay to produce a new album. Johnny Kay had produced the sickness album by Disturbed, okay, as well as Scars by Soil as well. He did oh that. god. He also went to produce album he went on to produce albums by the likes of Five Finger Death Punch, Mushroom Head, Drowning Pool, Three Doors Down, Seven Dust, Stain, Nonpoint, three doors down Mm -hmm. three doors down that's a weird one and he did the album 13 by megadeth so what a talented guy (laughs) he he can make all those bands sound like their guitars are made out of cardboard
2: (laughs) i'm i'm so glad you brought up johnny k because um i mean i uh, not to go into it too much because we're not going in it into it just yet but putting it on uh earlier today I was taken aback by how weak sounding the album is. I was like, because in my head, I thought Ross Robinson had produced it. And of course he hadn't produced it because they had a falling out, hadn't they? After um, Ross Robinson had been talking about Adidas Rock and he, how he didn't want to do that anymore. He was doing the at the drive-in stuff and all that kind of thing. And he had lumped Machine Head in with that. And so they they were not on good terms at this point and yes I did look it up I was like Johnny K who the fuck is that and yes I looked up these credits as well and I was like oh that's I I mean you know little bit of a spoiler but I think that Johnny K's production is one of the big reasons why this is a significantly worse record than The Burning Red even though even though the approaches in many ways are similar you know, you've got Ross Robinson producing one, who whatever you think of new metal, p- good producer, and Johnny K doing the other, and it's it's chalk and cheese, chalk and cheese. Also the songs, that's another reason. Also, also, also the songs. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Also the songs, but but. So, yeah. well, we'll get
0: into that. So the album was um, slated in that issue that I was talking about in Kerrang for a summer release, and you have to wonder about the alternative universe where machine head put this album out in late june or early july 2001 and all the trouble and controversy that basically destroyed the promotion at least not the album itself but the promotion at least the album i'm not sure how much difference that would have made in the long run but i'm certainly sure it would have helped the record somewhat um and that's because the band released the first and only single from the album crashing around you in september 2001 and with the name crashing around you with a video that sees a band playing behind a city skyline that occasionally erupts into flames at various points and lyrics like that dream when you can't stop from falling it saw it removed from mtv and all rock radio despite it being at that point prior to 9-11 one of the most requested songs on its initial release Mm -hmm. you know we've spoken Previously on, I think we we did the Toxicity. It's funny you mentioned Toxicity, Tom, because we did that as a classic album and we spoke about the effect um, the events of September the 11th had on certain bands at that time. Jimmy Eat World pulling every CD with Bleed American written on it and changed it to Jimmy Eat World. System of a Down, number one at the charts at the time in the US when that happened, having to manoeuvre around people assuming that they were sympathizers because of chop suey and self righteous suicide um the difference between bleed american and toxicity is that those albums are great and this isn't right i mean
3: ultimately it's the fact that you know I, i'm not a massive jimmy Eat world fan but even i know that's a good record and toxicity's fucking great record and this is not and look Promotion will help you. If your record sucks, there's a very good chance no one's going to listen to it, no matter what political events or world events or you know massive uh, atrocities that kill thousands of people happen. You know, if your record's pony, it kind of yeah. it's not. Good. It's all it's going to do is slow down your sales. It's not going to make anyone think that it's you know worse than it already is because everyone already goes, yeah, this this is this is not good.
2: Hmm. it is worth bringing it up though oh
3: definitely
2: yeah that was extraordinary bad luck and as you have pointed out Steve they weren't the only band to have that extraordinary bad luck and as you've pointed out Tom uh, even some of the bands who did because the records were good they managed to uh, sort of circumnavigate that and it was fine um i i i think the only reason why i feel it's a bit of a shame for crashing around you is you know whatever we think of this record i do think that song is one of the better moments from the record i don't know if we're getting into this too early but in in you know compared to a lot of the other stuff on it like i don't think that is a anywhere near as bad a song as a lot of the other stuff that is on on this album like i think it's an okay machine head song personally
0: yeah i mean i i watched the video and i think it's a fairly tenuous link to be yeah. perfectly honest but i think it obviously it getting pulled it was the right thing to do uh, you know and i think without that happening uh, yeah i think without that happening people might have just gone out and bought the new machine Head album, yeah. and they might have you know people might have bought it on the back of that single yeah in different circumstances that might have happened. I don't think it would have made the machine head fans. I don't think no. it have brought back many fans because I don't think the album's good enough, but I do think, you know, like it, it is bad luck and it is a fairly tenuous link. Um, but the, you know, watching the video, they do look less ridiculous than they did on the burning yeah. red. Um, really only aru lustre can claim to have any kind of new metal you can say have any kind of new metally look at all and he does kind of do that bouncy up and down mm-hmm, monkey and mm-hmm, head from corn mm-hmm. thing with his guitar dave mcclain's got silly hair but i think dave mcclain always had silly hair to be honest i don't even think that's a particularly one, one, what, no, when he, um, hair. When he yeah. had hair
2: yeah <laughs> yeah yeah
0: flynn and adam juice just look like sort of metal guys yeah so <laughs> It's hard to say that the events... It, you know, you can't entirely blame the failure of this record all these years later and its reputation on 9-11. No. But certainly, it would have... I think it... For where Machine had go after it, with their label troubles and all those kind of things, I think it obviously... They were stalling, and that was something that really, really made them stall. Yeah. But ultimately, you can't help but feel, six months down the line, if the record was strong... Word of mouth would have got round to making people go. Actually, this record's really good Absolutely. because Jimmy Eat World was, you know, Bleed Americans. Jimmy Eat World's breakthrough record, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, and they had to like. And pull there's it.
3: plenty of people yeah. who've actually you know done better because of controversy. Even people who weren't necessarily courting it. You know, it's entirely possible to do something which is well, system of doubt, yeah,
0: yeah, system during this period. Yeah,
1: you know, like, the week before, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: like they were number one when that. Event to were number one on the charts, and it's not harmed that album at all. I mean, it made some like Christian right-wing nut jobs were like, "Oh, they're terrorist sympathizers." But apart from yes, that, yes, but they
3: were never going to buy that album anyway because it's you're... Hmm. no, of course not. Well, no, or at least if they did, they'd listen to it and think this. Or oh, keep your politics out of music, please.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Um, the week the album came out, Rob Flynn and Naro Luster were interviewed by fans in Kerrang! magazine, which I've got in front of me, just there. And they were asked what they thought of the current crop of bands that were around at that period. <laughs> specifically linkin park and papa roach aru luster compared them to nsync and flynn had this to say about them he said it's almost trendy to bash these bands everybody's bagging on nsync but nsync sold 12 million records so somebody is buying those records you know someone is out there lying about how much they like these bands i prefer to listen to heavier bands but if it's a choice between linkin park and papa roach or crazy town then i'm all about linkin park and papa roach even at this point they are still trying to go no we're not new metal no we're not we have nothing to do with that we're a heavier blah 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 thing and then you hear the record and you're like lads
3: I mean it is heavier than crazy town it's
2: heavier than crazy it town. is heavier than crazy town but then but I, I i think they also but for them to be like papa Roach, mm, it's like fucking
0: hell, as if you're so much heavier than papa Roach on this record yeah like,
2: really, it, it's a on. weird thing to say as well when you've got i um, to go just to go back to johnny Kay quickly it's a weird thing when you've got you know the guy who produced soil and disturbed just to, to, to say that really um at that time yeah bizarre
0: Mm. one of the most interesting things i thought about that feature is that the intro sets the scene of how these kind of 10 fans come into the room and sit down with the two guys from machine head and then they play supercharger from them and the quote here in that uh opening part to the feature is this toes are tapped heads are nodded and air guitars are given a light strumming before the general consensus is reached that it will take several listens before the surface of supercharger is scratched which to me is rather (laughs) revealing because if you are that much of a Machine Head fan, if you're into Machine Head that much that you travel down to the Kerrang offices in London to meet them after answering an ad in Kerrang or something in Kerrang, asking for fans of the band, then the chances are when you're sat in the room with them, you're going to be a little bit starstruck because you love Machine Head. You're going to be delighted to be meeting the acquaintance of two guys from Machine Head. And I have witnessed too many meet and greets with bands and fans who turn into quivery lipped, shaky legged, monosyllabic lunatics to think to think otherwise just to interject
2: there i um interviewed rob flynn for catharsis and um i became that person (laughs) i'll admit it Mm. and i was kind of like oh i I think this is a really brave bold step mr flynn uh and you know i was that guy (laughs) so yes i can yeah
0: for you to be that passionate about the band to be that in awe of this band to love them that much when you hear their album for the first time if you love them like you're gonna go This is amazing. Oh, guys, this is amazing. So that should really set alarm bells ringing for Machine Head straight away that even those people who love them and who are never, ever, 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 ever in a million years going to say to their face, I thought that new album was shit. Mm. They're not going to say that. They might act the big man on Twitter saying about how X sold out or Y dropped off or Z are overrated and the press gave them an easy ride. But trust me, you pussies listening out there, I know you little pussies, You wouldn't have the nerve to do that to their faces. So the fact that they're getting a lot of like, hmm, yeah, oh, I think I need to give it another couple of (laughs) listens. I mean, that should have scared the shit out of Rob Flynn for what was about to come. And rightly so. Yeah.
3: I have sat in a listening session for a Neurosis record. Now, Neurosis, one of the most challenging and dense kind of musically provocative uh, bands out there if I can sit there in a, a listening session for a neurosis record and come out and go that was fucking amazing on the first listen uh, and you know, I'm not a you know, uber fan who's traveled down from god knows where to meet my heroes and do that well if you're sitting in a room going yeah, it's all right that's like there is nothing nothing more worrying than people sitting there going yeah, it's all right in a listening party That's, you know, it's one thing if people are being a bit non-committal until they see what everyone else does. But if everyone kind of agrees, yeah, we're not really sure, then either you've done something which is provocative and brilliant and new and no one knows quite how to deal with it, or you've done something that's a bit... I mean, it could be a grower, I suppose, but it's generally a bad sign.
2: A couple of years Mm. previous to this album came out, um, I was on a holiday in America and I saw Star Wars The Phantom Menace in an IMAX cinema and I also had a full like 12 inch pizza in front of me because um, it's America because it's america exactly and because of the stuff that was around me and it was the first time i'd ever seen a film in imax i came out of it being like the phantom menace is amazing <laughs> you, you know it's amazing yeah. how atmosphere and the stuff around you sure. can i love the bit where he ate loads of pepperoni <laughs> oh <that> was, uh... <laughs> it was a pepperoni pizza as well uh, and 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 you know it's amazing how that stuff can affect how you feel about it and, and yeah if you're um, you know if the band are fucking there and you're just toe tapping rather than going fuck you know yeah i remember listening to hardwired for self destruct album listening party and metallica weren't there um and as a result i was kind of like yeah um but if metallica had been there i would have been like this is fucking amazing <laughs> you know i would have been going absolutely fucking insane so i
3: went to like, i'm a massive nightwish fan the the <laughs> the When I went to uh, Terrorizer for the first time, the editor then went uh, with me to listen to the new Nightwish record, and we'd kind of blagged our own little private listening session. It was just us and the band, and we were in the... um the control booth of the massive studio where they recorded all the orchestras. So it was oh. studio sound. You know, speakers wow. fucking yeah. everywhere. Really, yeah. you know, where where it can. It doesn't have to be that loud, and you can just hear everything.
2: Every, yeah, crystal clear. Yeah,
3: the band are there. Like every you got this like personalized little goodie bag with like the the name of the album and the the yeah. uh, the date of the listening session and. Th- the commissioning editor went and listened to Lulu on the same, at the same time. And we came back and we were just like, nice. it's wonderful. It's one of the best experiences we've ever had in music. It's <laughs> like, we're never going to have an experience that good again, where everything was that perfect, where it's an album that we love and it's the band are there and it sounded that good. And it was in the right place. What have you been listening to? And it was Lulu. And it was
0: like, um. <laughs> well, I know I'd rather be, frankly, but you know, crack on. Um, Anyway, Kerrang! Let's get to the reviews. In the same issue, Kerrang! gave the record two Ks. Now I've got the review here.
3: I remember that review.
0: Um, yes, it's on issue with Sun Forty One and Newfound Glory on jewel covers. I bought that mag. And in yeah, in the same week for for the, lead for, for the was, Sun Forty
2: One feature, I'm assuming Tom.
3: No, I like Sun Forty One so almost certainly. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, no, great,
2: great.
0: <laughs> uh, the the lead review was the full five Ks given to Fugazi's The Argument. Oh. Um, yes, record a stuck mojo b-sides record got four k's and even the soundtrack to american pie 2 managed to get three k's which is a k <laughs> more than the new Machine Ed album but the really interesting thing here to look at where music in a kind of heavy form was about to go next is the what kind of 140 120 word review uh right next to supercharger of Jane Doe's Converge, 5Ks that Converge got for Jane Doe is literally right next to the review for Supercharger. Um, anyway, but this is what this review... I'm going to read the full review because don't often get these. Head in the sand, it says. Machine Head, fourth offering from the Oakland Bruisers proves not very super or charged. To anyone who loved the sheer velocity of thrash, the aggression of hardcore and the sheer stomach-churning heaviness of down tuned guitar, the machine of a manner from metal heaven. Because let's face it, few bands have ever been able to harness all of those elements and deliver them with the 11th commandment-like conviction to produce such engaging and durable records. Listen to the burn to burn my eyes and the more things change now and tell me you're not still slack-jawed from the shockwave. Unfortunately, we're five years on from such an impressive legacy and those hoping the Oakland Four would return with a maximum damage antidote to all the shoegaze victim rockers and jump up new metal are in for a disappointment it all starts impressively enough with the appropriately named bulldozer a battery of brutal guitar menace climaxing in a magnificent drawn-out crush but it soon becomes it soon becomes clear that a tired vein is being tapped take white knuckle blackout or blank generation and you have little more than an exercise in volume and noise for the sake of each other and while lyrically machinehead have always favored brute force over eloquent american high complete with tarzan yells no really is a boneheaded bridge too far documenting as it does the fact that rob got picked on at school but now he's in a band so kiss it it grates not only because that's pretty much every band story but because this is machine head album number four for christ's sakes and surely we progressed a little there are a couple of note of expectations exceptions sorry uh thankfully only the name recalls a slow burn destruction of violate the finest moment ever from the more things change while trepanation succeeds on sheer weight of attack alone but has added impact from some starkly brutal lyrics on uh on the cycles of child abuse and self-hate but we shouldn't be taking talking about exceptions this is machine fucking head after all where supercharger should be full of devastating moments there are instead large gaps of uninspiring filler and while there's little doubt that the live shows later this year will deliver the requisite ultimate gig death blow experience as a definitive moment in Machine's career supercharger is sadly lacking a shame it wasn't the only uh review that didn't like the record. All Music gave it two and a half stars saying the die-hearted Saw Machine Head as Metallic Saviors when the group's Burn My Eyes debut filled an overlooked niche of heavy music didn't appreciate the experimentation on The Burning Red. Some of the criticisms the band took from The Faithful was almost laughable. Flynn tones down the screams, learns to sing a bit but he's crucified for it. However, even Sand's cliquishness the preceding disc was the weakest of the band's career at that point. The band reacted to the backlash by compromising. It seems Supercharger has some ham-fisted, mo- ham-fisted moments straight from the early thrash days but it never gets stuck there look no further than american high a song with the cadence of ballroom blitz and a similarly inspired lexus that's catchy in spite of itself the dilemma is not so much the sonic scope of the record which truth be told is the most well-rounded effort the band has managed to date but the quantity way too many tracks blur by without demanding attention relegating the few standout songs as too little too late so um, I was just
2: laughing there at Tom's face uh, when you said it was the most well-rounded uh, Tom pulled the, the, the best face yeah. <laughs> um, uh, when you said the most well-rounded record of their group that was very yeah.
3: definitely my has someone farted face <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, it did look like you'd <laughs> smelt a really bad fart
0: <laughs> yeah uh, Sputnik Music gave it 2 out of 5 saying Supercharger is an awful album showing a great band at the very worst every speck of brilliance and Burma's is blown away by a whirlwind of turntables rapping appalling lyrics and uninspired inspiration Instrumentation. Although there were a few people that did actually quite like it, um, Blabbermouth gave it eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. <sighs> Saying, whereas the Burning Red was a bold departure from its predecessors and a creative high point that, in the eyes of this writer, should have capit- uh, catapulted Machine Head to the ranks should have capitulated Machine Head, but he said catapulted. Uh, should have catapulted Machine Head to the ranks of the genre's forerunners. supercharges for the most part, picking up where the album left off, just different enough to be passed off as a natural progression, but essentially treading a similar musical ground to the Burning Red without managing managing to outclass it in terms of the songwriting department. Anyway, I mean that's what they think about it. Shall we say what we think about it? (laughs) let's see what we think about so tom let's start with you what do you think about supercharger by machine head i gotta be honest and say i
3: think that kerrang review is possibly i mean this has i remember buying that issue i remember reading that review i remember reading the review of converged jane doe and not understanding a bloody word that it was saying and thinking that's probably not for me in fairness i was about 17 so you know i think it's kind of spot on because it's a it's an album which does have a few highlights And those highlights are good highlights and those are songs that I would happily listen to and enjoy and actually when I would listen to it back recently, obviously I haven't listened to this album for ages because it's not that good, but (laughs) when I did listen to it back I actually remembered, oh yeah those three songs are good. The rest of the album kind of I find it a slightly funny inclusion on this particular show because there's a lot in there that's bad but all three of us have reviewed records professionally for print publications. We have all reviewed stuff that is worse than those songs. Like, right. We've all probably done loads of them. And then it's got a couple where you go, Nope, Nope. That is unforgivable. Like Mm. real kind of super collider, bad level shit. Like, Oh God, what were you thinking? Um, We'll get to them, but there's some, it's a funny one because I don't think it's anywhere near as bad as some of its reputation. Because its reputation is it's irredeemably awful. But it is still quite bad.
2: In the main, um, I, I think I would agree with that assessment. We'll, we'll, we'll find out if we agree on the individual songs of which ones that we like and which ones that we don't in a moment. But um, listening back to this album today, I was kind of like... I had forgotten that there are a few songs on this record, and in fact, out of the 14 tracks on the standard edition of the record, I counted five that I thought were an acceptable Machine Head song, as in, considering what you had done before this album, that is up to the standard, or that is good enough, I think, to be seen as a Machine Head song. The remaining nine, I don't think, live up to the Machine Head standards, um, and it's it's going to be interesting to see, you know, if if we do agree on which of those songs do live up to those standards and don't. But I don't like this record, really, and it is my it is my least favorite Machine Head record. Uh, I AB'd it with uh, Catharsis this morning as well, and I I have realised that I wasn't I hadn't listened to this record since Catharsis came out um so i wasn't sure do i you know is this my least favorite record now or, or machine head record now or is it catharsis supercharger is my least favorite after after listening to the two back to back definitely but th- there are moments when when it's it's pretty good actually it's just there's more moments where it's uh, you that decision making that we were talking about right at the beginning of this episode you go why did you do that? Why did you, you know, Tarzan stuff? Why did you do that rap? Why did, it's it's funny, isn't it, that the Burning Red is considered the rap metal uh Machine Head record when this Supercharger has way more rapping on it and way more embarrassing rapping moments on it as well. Um but uh but yeah, when it's good, I actually think it is a decent Machine Head record but it's only good for about a third of its runtime in my opinion
0: hmm yeah i mean it's funny you mentioned about it being because i've got exactly the same thing i always in my head i haven't listened to this since just after it came out oh, fuck. because wow. i didn't but i didn't buy it when it first came out i remember hearing it and being like this is really <laughs> bum this is but bo- this is rubbish absolutely rubbish and it's probably because i went out and bought jane doe by converge <laughs> <quite soon afterwards>. <laughs> <laughs> and then heard this yeah. and you just yeah. and it's funny how the standards of the time probably were higher or whatever i don't know like you say tom i'm much more used to hearing very generic rubbish metal albums in 2022 as we are now than i probably was in 2000 yeah. 2001 i hadn't heard as many of them so i heard this i was like it's crap and in my head i remember it being well this is just what machine head were doing before but really neutered and it the the new metally production it was always you know the new metally production but the kind of the groove metal songs of the past and i was like it doesn't work like you said right at the top of it two things trying to gel together and not really getting either of them right but there is you know on something like white knuckle blackout which has Puya-esque drums at the start. That kind of world metal, whatever you call that, kind of like um, the roots metal style, but the, but the tribal drumming thing. And then Rob Flynn going, whoa.
2: He does a lot of crap ad-libs in this, Rob Flynn. A lot of crap crap ad-libs even on some of the good songs there's there's i forgot about some of the crap ad-libs i think bulldozer is a song which a lot of fans go well actually bulldozer was was a decent tune and i forgot about the annoying crap vocal ad-libs that he does on it and it's it's annoying (laughs) yeah and i (laughs) just
0: think like what you know i think bulldozer is is fine i don't think it's it's a lot cleaner than machine had used to sound white knuckle blackout when you get in the rap
3: in the middle bulldozer is one of the best songs of the album i want to yeah. Jump in there. Yeah. Like, oh, I yeah, think yeah, probably. I probably like, say that. I like Bulldozer. It is more pissed off than a backbench Tory MP at a jury returning a not guilty verdict, right? It is an <laughs> angry song, and I approve of that. There's also this nice little system of a downy lead line in there, to which I went, oh yeah. nice, I, I like that first record too.
2: That yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody told that. Exactly.
3: That it's like it is incredibly new metal-y Mm, but there's yeah. still enough machine head in there that I'm going no no this is tickling all the stuff that I like from the first two records that yeah I'm I'm into it. I I hate White Knuckle Blackout. Yeah, I think it's one it's, of the worst songs yeah, of the it's album. It's
2: fucking dreadful. Yeah, yeah it's rubbish. Blackout. I mean you just feel fucking like awful.
0: everything about it is like I've heard this a million times before. The rap uh, it, I mean awful. it's al- already got as much rap as the Burning Red just on this song. You yeah, took the yeah, entirety yeah. of the rapping on the Burning Red It's about the same length as what you get on White Knuckle Blackout. Well,
2: adrenaline is my fuel when I have an obstacle to climb. Adrenaline is the lubrication focusing my mind. Adrenaline is telling me when someone's thinking they're too cool to raise my middle fingers up and say, fuck you. That is the awful awful rap obviously i did it better than rob flynn does uh on the on the track uh but yeah dreadful the worst thing the
3: worst thing about it i mean obviously the rapping is terrible i I think always think with rob flynn's rapping he's a guy who's listened to a load of it but done very little of it and he hasn't got that like ten thousand hours practice that you need to be good at something yeah like he like if he goes up there and does the guitars and does the vocals he's done that so much he nails it if he does the rapping he's just not got the experience and it kind of shows it's kind of a new thing for him
2: he has an enthusiasm when he raps that I yeah, admire. Yeah. But yes, I think I think the 10,000 hours thing is a really good point. Yeah, sorry. But but go on.
3: The Tom. thing that I think is, is most offensive about it is that it doesn't belong in the song. Like, the song finishes mm-hmm. after about two and a half minutes. And mm-hmm. there's, a, yes. there's a bunch yes. of songs of this album which I feel, oh, God, this is going on for ages. How long has it been on? What We're two minutes in, and it's a three-minute song, and it feels long. And it tends to be because they've used an idea a lot. And the point, song is at the point it should naturally end and then they tack a little bit on the end of it and that's exactly what they do there. It's a, 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 a breakdown that doesn't really need to be there. And if they just finished the song before that, it wouldn't be too bad but um, i think that's a really astute point it would be really
2: the the the, the bolting something on at the end that is not needed that does happen quite a lot on this album yeah and white knuckle blackout is a very good example of that definitely Mm. yeah
0: and then that would mean if that were to happen you then get crashing around you which you know more kind of wrapped ish stuff at the start of it it's quite brief and i actually think crashing around you like a lot of people say you know like oh it's the you know that and bulldozer—they're the best moments from this album. I'm not shocked that that was chosen to be the single. To be honest, I mean, I think if you whack that song on the more things change, no one ever talks about it ever again. But
3: yeah, true. I true. think if you stick it on Infest, people mind it less. Like it's, it's—it's very Jacoby Shaddix in places. Yeah, I, and that's I mean, my problem with it. It's—I think it's just not a Machine Head song. It's a Papa Roach song repackaged yeah, it's, i mean broadly, i can't see yeah. i can't see their personality mm. it's I, I i hate it because it's not because i think it's bad it's not great but because it sounds like another band
1: yeah that's mm. true i
2: i i think that I, I i i've sort of already defended it a little but i don't i don't love it but i but i do actually see what you're saying there tom it doesn't feel like a machine head song i don't think it's a terrible it's not, song it's 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 but, you know
0: it, it would have been i mean it's much like what they they released that yeah, is There Anybody Out There song just because they want to get on radio, right? And they admitted, like, this is our yeah. attempt to to get in on radio. And it's not a great song. It doesn't sound machined. It's not very good. But you would think in the context of an album, you whack that in an album, it's over so briefly. And, and you know...
2: I personally would take Crashing Around You over I, Is There Anybody Out definitely, There. Definitely. Yeah, I would personally. too. Yeah, I would. I don't, I don't know. Tom is looking very angry about that. No, no, no. Like, no I, I, I'm, I'm just
3: no. thinking that a choice between those two, I'd probably take a... Uh, Cyanide pill. A long walk off a tall cliff.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And But thus far, I don't think it's been a disaster.
2: No. White Knuckle Blackout is the only shit song so far. Uh,
0: And then you get to kick you when you're down. Now, I'm going to refer back to this copy of Kerrang!, which has got the feature, the review, and supercharger track by track on page eight as well for some reason they've got oh, that in there
3: and an advert for beautiful garbage which is a killer record yeah, they got five <laughs>
0: and pig destroyer Power in the Yard. They uh, also um oh yeah the advert for beautiful garbage yeah that was a review the week before and got five k's as did pig destroyer
2: it's so funny you meant sorry it's so funny the first time i ever heard supercharger i was working at virgin megastore so um at the time so i actually heard the album a few days before it came out because we got the copies through mm-hmm. and i remember listening to Supercharger and being quite disappointed, and then the next thing we put on was Prowler in the Yard, and because I was (laughs) and 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 like it was the Prowler in the Yard. That was the first time I'd ever heard grindcore, and I remember being kind of knowing that it was better but also being shit scared of it and not understanding it at all i mean i'm still shit
0: scared of it to be fair yeah like, yeah,
2: yeah i mean t- 10 years later i was like power in the yard is amazing but but be, at the time i was just like oh god yeah yeah but it's funny you mentioned that because i always associate these two records together just because i heard them first well, at, they're very at similar at the same time very similar Kick
0: <laughs> <anyway. laughs> you yeah. when you're down so there is a track by track uh of the album here which i will refer to here and there kick mm. you when you're down rob flynn says when i was a kid one of my favorite records was diary of a madman by ozzy osborne the chorus to believer goes you've got to believe in yourself because no one believe in you and i needed to hear that so much when i was a kid in a way this is a tribute to that a way of passing the torch down to our fans if they need that now far be it from me to be a heartless prick
2: but not that you've ever been a heartless prick before on this no on this show but scene.
0: if you need the song kick you when you're down by machine Ed, i would suggest you have very little worth living for <laughs> in any way whatsoever and maybe god maybe you should just
2: kind of get on with it
0: because this is bad this I'm trying song. to
2: make an editing decision in my head right now this is bad <laughs>
0: This song it's is terrible. this song is bad. I mean, it's not quite rap metal or whatever. It's very new metally. It's got that kind of first Slipknoty thing to it, and then you get the whiny thing that Korn did. And... Oh, the
3: vocals are the thing that like the oh. rest of the song I could forgive, but the clean vocals
2: just awful. I mean, they're
3: so yeah. bad. Yeah,
2: yeah, so bad. it's new metal cliches, ahoy, isn't it? I yeah. mean, to 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 maybe so that I can put what you just said <laughs> into the episode Steve <laughs> um I don't think it's the sentiment that is the issue with the song I think it is the new metal cliches left right and the lyrics center. I mean look, look that's is the issue look, and the lyrics the, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: The, and this is the, this is another problem we're gonna get into. the lyrics on this record are bad they're bad lyrics now Rob Flynn oh,
3: yeah, they are really like, really, really they are cringy, cringy. They?
0: yeah like yeah. metal in general let's just be honest it, it's not always about great li- you know there's not many Bob Dylan's in metal do you know what i mean there's not many but there is something really empowering about i think when rob Flynn goes let freedom ring with a shotgun blast fuck it all like a 10 ton like a broken glass you shatter like a 10 ton hammer sign you go yeah Mm. and but then too many metal bands when they step outside of i like satan or and then i stab the dragon and they're trying to go into this stuff it is fucking crap and this is fucking crap lyrics you have to it's all like you have to trust in yourself you have to follow your heart you have to puff out your chest you have to say you're a top guy you have you to can't tweet. be slow you, or fast you but you
3: must get to the line <laughs>
0: yeah you have to tweet <laughs> that you aren't going to listen to marilyn manson anymore just a list of things that twats who want to appear compassionate say absolutely fucking rubbish 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 nonsense i hate breed sound like sigmund freud it does it really (laughs) does
2: (laughs) you know that's a good point actually i hadn't seen the hate breed connection but this is that pma attitude but done really really badly yeah it's it's
3: if jamie juster didn't understand how to express it
2: yeah
0: Jamie Jass is like, yeah. come on, we can do this together. We can. You're a good, you're a good person. Whereas Rufflin here is like, are you all right? I hope you are. I feel like I am sometimes. Oh, you... Your shoes are a bit tight. Maybe you should get. You're right. That's it. It's fucking crap. It's yeah. fucking crap.
2: This song. And unfortunately, it's not the only time he does that on the record is it i mean again the sentiment and and what he's trying to express i think is absolutely fine in fact i think it's great the sentiment he's trying to express it's just unfortunately as a lyricist he doesn't have the means of expressing it in a way that doesn't sound trite and shit and i I, it pains me to say that because i fucking adore rob flynn he's done it once
3: and you're gonna hate me for saying this go on bastards
2: Oh, I I don't. Steve will hate you for saying that, I I I agree with you on that.
3: I fucking love that song. It's so. It sounds like someone who's actually having a very difficult conversation for real, and is trying to express themselves in a way that in the only way they know. And it sounds really honest and real. And my problem with this is that it's not. Like it doesn't sound like it's coming. (laughs) Steve has left. (laughs) He's just
0: disappeared.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He's that annoyed. (laughs) <laughs> so we I mean, thought you just left the room no, my, mate called me. Was so angry. My,
0: my mate called me it came with my ipad <laughs> so i had to fucking hang up on him <laughs> which i'm happy to do um yeah no like i listen it's funny we'll, we'll get into catharsis in a little bit in a kind of comparative between the two i listened to catharsis earlier i listened to bastards and it's a weird song because part of me really admires him for doing it and i believe it but i also find it um slightly beyond his uh there are certain things that are expressed the way they're expressed on that song which i go
2: oh don't say that
0: um, i'm sure you know what you I'm know what about, but... I,
2: I i'm curious yeah i was gonna say well i mean this very much fits into tom this is something that we should ask you about i'm sure you know what we're referring yeah to. yeah
3: yeah the f uh,
2: what what are your what are your feelings on that because i i i pulled rob up on this when i interviewed him for it and i thought what he said was very interesting but i'm curious about your opinion on that
3: my feeling is that just from the, my perspective, from the gay perspective, it's that F-slur I'm fine with. And that I actually get, I feel like he's trying to be firm because of the context. Because of the context, and because, but there is a really crucial difference between that and some of the other words he uses next to it, and it's one of the mm. reasons I'm I'm always kind of nervous about kind of flagging it up too much because mm, okay, okay, because the way that the F slur has been used in society is not the same as the other words, right? Mm, like, mm. like we, although that is a word that has been used to insult people like me, it's never been a word that has used to enslave my entire group people right Mm. so like the n-word yeah right and the n-word's right next to it so i Mm. I, i'm talking specifically about the f-slur and i'm very uncomfortable with kind of joining in too much with saying yeah it's great because i know that there are going to be plenty of people who will quite validly say he doesn't have the right to use that word Mm-hmm. It's also mm-hmm. that the uh, the Efsler has been through an awful, awful lot of reclamation, or at least attempted reclamation. So there's there's a, uh, an American gay rights activist slash sex vice columnist called Dan Savage, who spent yes, a very long Dan Savage, yeah. spent a very long time regularly referring to him and other people like me as the Efsler, which I'm not going to mm. repeat because I know some people mm. find it quite upsetting. Um, mm. And I don't think he was entirely successful, but the fact that I have heard that word used a lot by people who are not using it in a an offensive way because they have some right to try and reclaim it for themselves means that my opinion of that hearing that word in this kind of context is has been formed right someone has i've already heard other people doing exactly the same thing and just because rob doesn't necessarily have that same kind of right that dan does to to use it Mm -hmm. himself doesn't mean that i think it it devalues and it removes that that right. I think I think the context gives it enough credence to say I'm on your side. Um, I will admit the other uh, words in that particular run make mm-hmm. me very uncomfortable mm-hmm. as a white. Yeah, dude.
0: I, I think what you have just said there, Tom, is a, you've you've very eloquently pointed a lot of that the stuff that kind of because in in my head I I like I feel like I mean Stuart Lee does a brilliant bit about. Can words exist without context? And I think within the context of song, I look at Rob Flynn and what he's trying to do, and I go, "This is not coming from a place of hatred. This is coming from a, you know, a place of um, or affirmation, even, or, or even ignorance." Mm-hmm. But I do. I was like, I don't feel that it's. It's just not. Ne- it just didn't feel necessary to the song and all it did was i was just like okay so that's going to be all that people ever talk about in that song we're really getting off topic here but i
2: think it's probably well yeah we did and that was my fault and and i apologize for putting you on the spot there as well tom but i was i was really curious to hear your opinion on that um just just to very quickly finish up on that when i interviewed rob about it like i said i did actually bring it up and i got the impression that it came from a place of allyship but then at the same time um i could understand i like i still sometimes feel uncomfortable when listening to that um so yeah I, i i i i think it's not a um Not to put it crassly, I don't think it's a black and white issue at all. I think it's quite complicated and quite complex. Um, But in, in terms of why we started talking about Bastards in the first place, again, it was written the day after Trump got into office. And I agree with you, Tom, that I do think it comes from a very authentic place because of that whole thing of like, fuck, our country is fucked. Whereas this song, Kick You When You're Down Just To Get It Back To Supercharger, doesn't come, it doesn't feel like it's not that it's not authentic i i believe that uh, you know he is trying to empower people through these uh through this song and through these lyrics i just don't think he does it very well
3: but the crucial difference for me and i think it's the reason he was able to be very articulate in one context and and really clumsy here is that mm. In the, the people he's trying to he, trying to help, quote unquote, here are are nebulous, right? They they're not. Mm. He's not reaching mm. out to a specific friend or a family mm. member or someone who's really having. You know, it's not like he was reaching out to a uh, a, a little brother who was being bullied at school and saying, "Here's how mm. you can get through this." Right? When it's he wrote, really general, it's really mm. general and it's non-specific. It's Linkin Park thing in it. Bastards but, yeah. was written to his kids. Yes, it's yes, how it do was. you explain to by kids who are wait to kids who are way too young to understand what's happened what's going on because they know something's up but they don't get it and they're saying dad is america broken now and like he's trying to get across what's going on and i in that context he he just speaks from the heart in this he's it's it's more conceptual like he's it's too yeah it's a it's a a a heartfelt concept but the expression is is nebulous and it doesn't find a focus I Absolutely, agree more. yeah.
0: That's perfectly yeah. put. I think. Um, yeah. I think again, yeah. You know, we, we it follows up with only the names, which I think reminded me a little bit. In the sort of slow, creepy start, was a bit like down to none from uh, the
2: more things change. Which is a fucking brilliant song. I put I put that down as well as Death Church. Yes, yeah. Uh, it's that slow, menacing Machine Head thing, isn't it?
0: But yeah. it gets a little bit too wilted as we go on. For me, I think it's a bit wet and a bit weak, and that is a big problem again with the record. There's not much of a semblance of a song here, even when it gets a bit heavier you you saw that heavy bit coming a mile off and it never gets heavy in the way that those two songs that you just mentioned did and and that lack of dynamism in this album is is pretty much purely down to the production i think um and i will blame johnny Kay yeah, for that, and it's too long.
3: It's also too it's long. Too
2: long. Yeah, it is too long. Right, yeah. and
3: I say that as someone who my favorite Machine Head song is a Farewell to Arms, which is about ten and a half minutes long. Right, mm-hmm. but that's a brilliant mm-hmm. song, and it earns every second of it. Yeah, my album for the for Hell but for Metal last week was a, a two song forty minute album. Right, each song was twenty and a half minutes. Right, I like long songs, so if I'm saying a six minute song is too long, it, you've kind of you need to do more. Yeah.
2: I, I, I agree with all of that. The only thing that I will say is this actually, um, this song is much better than I remember it being. And it was actually also one of the five that I was like, this is just about acceptable enough. But I certainly agree that they had done this before to a much higher standard. And actually they've done it since to a much higher standard as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh,
0: all in your heads where he goes what? what 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 is absolutely embarrassing again just a vocal ad-lib which just <laughs> yeah. did not need to happen yeah. more rapping again I mean you know this yeah. is not burn my eyes this is the burning red this is more this is way more rapping than the burning red they're lying yeah. bastards I actually think yeah. the rapping this is better than the chorus it's one of the few times where the rapping is one of the the best bits in the, in, in the song
3: quick point on the chorus though the chorus in the hands of Jonathan Davis would have been a good chorus. The mm. problem is that it's so high that it's got, you know, more quaver than a, a popular cheesy snack. It's just <laughs> it's got it's got absolute no stability to it. And the problem is it then sounds really lame. If if you stuck that in the hands of someone whose vocal register could get there comfortably, I think actually that chorus could be
2: fine. David Draymond fucks it in the eye. Yeah. Fucks it in the eye. Um I I think yeah, I, I think there is a um kernel of a good chorus there which is not because it is catchy. Yeah. It is catchy. Like when All in Your Hair came came back in, I was like, hold on, this is sounding familiar. And and it came back in, I was like, oh yeah, this song. I think I think the song as a whole, again new metal cliches left right and center and bad and i done. know
0: i'm a weirdo Ooh. yeah oh yeah God.
2: there's that bit there's that bit at the end as well where he just says it's just inside of the yeah, yeah. Of- and it's like yeah. what are you doing yeah and and again that is all of that is dire. so inauthentic yeah it's, it's yeah it's
0: diabolical dire. but uh, uh yeah. but and then we reach the most iconic point of the record, I think Rob Flynn's Tarzan Well at the start of american high it's very silly now, I cannot, for the life of me think why they kept it in, but it's so short that you think if the rest of the album was good, they probably could have got away with it because it is just like a little tiny thing, but it's yeah. become the definitive thing of this entire record um i I mean Tom. I'm going to bring something up that you once said to me and I've found this Tarzan thing and it's not even the Tarzan thing because he goes because there's an there's an an oh my god that he does quite soon afterwards oh well. my god
3: we're uh,
1: back again <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right
0: <laughs> now you said to me the worst thing ever to happen in music ever is Bono going unos dos tres catuto in um catorce <laughs> like but, uh, or whatever ago. in yeah. Vertigo
3: where he goes 1, 2, 3, 14 in Spanish. <laughs> yeah,
0: right? <laughs> now, that is Bob Dylan. When you put it like that, it is very both yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but that, that is Bob Dylan compared to...
3: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I can't stick up for Come either. On. They're both so bad. There's... It's... It's basically like stepping in two different piles of shit at the same time and trying to work out which is you <laughs> with those two. Di- I mean, well,
0: at least a big riff comes in on Vertigo. The fucking rest of this is terrible. It's even worse. Oh no, it I'll give you worse. that.
3: I will give you that. The rest of Vertigo is a I mean, Vertigo is not a very good song, but this is the worst Machine Head song. Like <laughs> flat worst. Fuck. Dreadful. You can pick your least favorite song from any other record, and I will say no. This is still worse. I don't care who comes at me with triple beam. Which would be quite scary, actually, if you did that. But like, that's—I agree—that song is not very good. This is like absolute cat shitty turbo plunge. It is, loose, <laughs> it is loose stool water. It's arse gravy of the worst kind. I mean, like, there is nothing about this song that isn't awful. Like the Coal Chamber wouldn't put their name on that riff and saying, "Yeah, we'll put that out." It's like that riff is terrible. The, the high bit low bit vocals just don't work like it's a, again new metal cliche all over the place but they do, here they do it really badly the the chorus is it's toe-curling lyrically, I mean, real kind of... Oh, the lyrics, yeah,
0: the yeah. lyrics the, and the absolute foot-in-mouth embarrassing. The, 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 I'm in a band now, oh, you love me now, don't you? Now you love me, don't you? Oh, you idiots I'm in a band, <clears throat> in your face fuck off, like, oh god,
2: shut up It's the, it's, Im- it's bring me the horizon,
3: it's it's absolutely the mm. thing that Ollie Sykes gets hate for and, mm. you know, I have to say, on oh, those that particular song, I completely agree with the hate for Ollie Sykes um, they redeem themselves in the last EP, but let's skip over that. Um, the kind of, I'm an abandoned, now, now I'm going to hit back all the people that bullied me at school. What?
0: Yeah. <sighs> ben Folds did it better than any of you cunts are ever going to do Yeah,
2: it. that's what I was about to say. Yeah. So don't do There's- it. There are two. Um, there's two uh, allusions there. There's the Benfold's five thing, which is the one angry dwarf thing uh, in terms of the lyrical thing, but also the ah, oh, 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 and then doing that as the guitar riff. Um, Tool did that, of course, with Intermission and Jimmy. You know, you've got da 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 da, and then Jimmy comes in, and it's that. It's that same. Uh, riff except rather than played on that sort of jaunty uh i don't know what it is like key instrument it's heavy and, and and thunderous um but it's just both of those good ideas done absolutely awfully and the songwriting is really really lazy as well you take the music of the verse and it's just you know the strings being played with with your hand across the fretboard uh, I, in a really lazy sense and then at the end there's just a little tail which goes mana, mana. it's just really it this yeah worst machine head song ever uh, i think it makes triple B i think it is look yeah. like stairway to heaven <laughs> yeah. um,
0: i i think i think even even message in a bottle is better than this
3: yeah yeah i'd agree with that at least that's a end. good song at least you're starting yeah. with a
0: good song and also yeah.
3: There's, like, a, that is a properly constructed song. This, again, the song finishes after two minutes, 22, and it, it's the Richie Beno time. Um, uh, uh, then it keeps going going for another 90 seconds for no apparent reason. Yeah,
2: yeah. Like, why,
3: why? Just finish it after, like, do, do a Ramon song.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah if
3: you yeah. want if there is nothing wrong with a song finishing after two and a half minutes if it, it it's a it's popular music you're not writing Beethoven you can look like, it's i'm not going to get into it but the, like <laughs> it really annoys me when people artificially make things longer for no good reason, like the bit mm. after it does nothing to make the song better it actively makes the song worse if mm. what you were doing afterwards was making it better just, such as when um the the, the, you've got that massive solo followed by the the chorus recapitulating in uh, a Farewell to Arms. Right, that makes a song longer, but it's better because it's there. This yeah. longer and worse. Like, don't do it f-
0: artificially. Do it because it needs it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It's a piece of shit. This song really bad,
2: isn't it? Mad as well. In t- in terms of decision making, isn't it insane that on the Hell Alive live album that they released, they play four songs from Supercharger bulldozer crashing around you uh the, the title track and american high oh. in terms of like oh what song shall we cull from the album for that it's like don't play american high rob no, no don't, don't, don't do don't that
0: play high. no it's really bad we then get um, just some guitar noises on Brown Acid, and then nausea.
3: Yeah, why does that exist? That's of th- that no point. Oh, that little. Uh, I can segue. tell you
0: because I've got the track by track. so I can tell you, um, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a segue, an interlude. Most records today are kind of based on a couple of singles, and the rest are just thrown on there. We try and lay it out so that we're taking you into an atmosphere. The song is a way of bridging the songs in a more cohesive way, uh, which it doesn't really mean anything at all, does it?
2: Very quickly, we we just recorded a, um, a classic album on Vitology by Pearl Jam, which had a lot of uh, what you described as pointless interludes, Steve. Mm-hmm. Um, I, compared to the interludes on Vitology, Brown Acid is the most pointless piece of music I think that's ever been recorded
0: absolutely yeah it's an absolute waste of time and Total then waste of time nausea i was like oh good that's quite a big riff at the start of nausea and then it becomes yet another kind of palm muted staccato new metal bum bag of a, of, a, of a song and rob flynn is doing fucking luther vandross in this he's doing proper like in it and like i'm fucking sick of you that bit nah Nah. Yeah. Again, I was kinda hoping that American High Brown Acid goes, Okay, sorry. We've hit the low point here. We'll just fuck around for a minute and then we'll get back to it. And then this comes in, it's like, Oh, this is this is if it wasn't for the fact that American High was so shit, I think nausea would be talked about as a really shit song as well, but it comes it's lucky that it comes after something so it's lucky bad. that it
3: comes after an actual scrotal abscess and yeah. you know, <laughs> after that everything feels comfortable. <laughs>
2: yeah i was getting a little bit um i was getting a little bit uh i don't know just
3: why did i start this podcast <laughs>
2: <laughs> i was a little bit bored at this point and 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 struggling to write notes and struggling to be coherent so i simply wrote "nausea's just rubbish um but it's just rubbish isn't it but i do agree that if american high hadn't have come before it then it could have been the lowest point on the record arguably yeah, yeah.
0: i think we should kind of just skip through a bunch of these because blank generation for me thinks he's fucking mc hammer going chicka chicka uh, it just doesn't go anywhere it's kind of boring and the, the rap
2: longest song on the record as well and the rap is
0: Fake lips and fake boobs and all that
2: saline tits. Oh, awful! Awful. Barbie doll hearts. No, no, no. Yeah,
3: that. Yeah, I. Yeah, I didn't understand that. I will. Rod flynn has got some decent vocal moments, other than the rapping though. It's not all awful. It's just mostly really shit
0: yeah it's uh it's pretty it's just it's very very like lyrically this is very poor throughout i think this record trepanation a lot of brutal imagery on this about wanting to cut his veins his neck and stuff and it's just it's just blunt it's just blunt without being very musically interesting
3: oh can i disagree i disagree totally i think it's the best song on the record
1: really trepanation by, really? by really? miles
3: yeah it's absolutely my favorite song by miles it's the most again it 's the most interesting one it 's the one where it 's got the most of the old machine head and the new metal thing that they 're trying to put together. I really like it. It kind of reminds me a hell of a lot of of sepultura and it, but like with a done through the the lens of machine head I really, really like it there's also a mm. cu- a touch of the Cory Taylors about some of the vocals, and it was clear to me anyway that it, maybe he's heard that first slipknot record and obviously that's to be encouraged. Yeah. So I really I I have to disagree. I think that song is really good. Sorry. It
2: just sort of passed me by as another yeah. one of the the new metal cliche ones. Yeah, I thought honest, it was really really, really cliche. I, I, I'm sorry.
0: I thought yeah. it, I thought it sounded just like really du- like really past it. It was it was one of the points in the record where I, the most where I thought this feels really kind of old and it, it felt, it felt and, really tired. I th- I think it's really tired. Like it sounds yeah, And, super and inauthentic
2: tight. as well. I, I, we were talking about authenticity earlier and, and it just felt inauthentic. I I can see what you're saying about the Corey Taylor stuff and the, the Slipknot First lyric. You know, some of those, I used to want to uh, take a drill to my head, let the pain out of the hole. I used to want to cut the veins of my neck, cool the blood boiling my soul. I can see how that's a Corey Taylor S type thing. It, I just didn't believe it mm. when I heard it. So Yeah, yeah. I'm saying, But that. interesting.
0: Um, I think it's got a, a very very unsatisfying end to the record with deafening silence, uh, which is quite slow and laboured. And again, the dynamics due to the production, those dynamic twists, just don't really take me anywhere. It's not terrible, but it's not great in any way whatsoever. And
2: um, I I I I think deafening silence is the only risk that is taken on this record that is in any is vaguely successful. Okay um uh, now i was a little bit worried about saying this especially when i was like i really liked the burning Red, the song and you both were like nah um i i, <laughs> I think this is the burning Red, the song not done as well but in terms of, like every single risk that's that taken <laughs> every single <laughs> every single risk that is taken on this record i think fails bar deafening silence which i don't think is a great song but i think it works and at least it's interesting and it's different it's at least it's different really not interesting
3: because i just thought it was new metal also ran bingo
0: (laughs) that's what this album should have been called to be fair yeah
3: yeah that would (laughs) have been a better name
2: i think it's less new metal-y cliche than a lot of the stuff that has preceded it personally um i i think deafening silence is okay I I mean well this is really controversial <laughs> and I know you're both going to disagree with this I, I imagine I take Deafening Silence over Darkness Within or whatever you know no, something no, like that no, I no, cannot stand no, that no. Song. no, no, no uh, but there you go yeah okay uh, I don't sorry. mind
0: Supercharger as a closing song yeah I title think track. that's one yeah. of the better songs okay. yeah, yeah. I, I think it's at least a bit more heavy and I suppose after everything's just gone before which is quite it gets a bit kind of down to quagmire so at least it's a bit heavy it's got a bit of a bounce to it never really feels essential nothing on this record feels essential to me nothing there's literally nothing on this record which i think if you were saying to me like i want to get into machine ed i want to get really deep dive machine ed what should i go for Uh, if i made you a playlist i'm not sure i'd put anything from this record on it but
3: oh no 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 like that's that's supercharger is one of the best songs of the album it's still worse than
2: everything on the blackening yeah 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 agreed yep
0: i mean i do like the way that rob hocks a loogie right at the end of the album quite enjoyed that (laughs) feels like quite a good way to end that record just to like spit a load of crap on the floor feels quite apt but um recording
1: process yeah.
0: (laughs) yeah yeah but you know it's too long i don't like the production um it's too close to the cleaner sound of new metal and the worst kind of radio friendly bits of new metal um Sounded like Machine Head dialing themselves down too much in a time when bands yeah. like you mentioned, Tom Slipknot, were up in the ante and getting more and yeah. more extreme, and Machine Head stoop into the very worst of the mediocre new metal bands.
2: Better than Super Collider, though, isn't it? But it <laughs> yep. is. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's just very much better.
0: It's just very mediocre for the most part. Yeah. It, And I listened to catharsis and in my head I was as I was listening to this I was like this is just kind of mediocre it's not terrible it's just pretty mediocre and then I was like and then I listened to catharsis and I think some of the low points on catharsis are quite low triple beam. But I think overall, Catharsis is clearly a much better record, even though it's 20 minutes longer and it is fucking long. It's way too long. But this is too long as well.
2: Yeah, I did I did the AB thing with Catharsis. We didn't ask you to do it, Tom, because we were already asking you to listen to one bad album and, you know, you don't have as much skin in the game I as like this. <laughs> I like I'm, Catharsis.
3: I'm one of the people who actually thinks, yeah, 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 some of it is really bad. But, you know, I, what, overall, I'd still, I, I still, there's enough about it that I like. Like, it, it's kind of, it's kind of a hard word to self-destruct situation where some mm-hmm. of it, the mm-hmm. low points are, are low i'm not gonna get mm-hmm. away from that mm-hmm. but there are enough yeah. points where i go yeah i really really like that i'm genuinely positive about it just not well it's not as bad as the rest it's not, it, no there's plenty about there about it that i go i am fond of this i like this i'm gonna listen to this again on purpose yeah that yeah. i go overall uh, i like it the, the, i i this. I, I, no. I'm
2: actually kind. I'm actually kind of in agreement with you, and and um, like even Triple Beam, for example. If Triple Beam had been on this record, it would be the best rap metal song on the record. It probably know? would, like, bar yeah. none by by far and uh, so even like the weak moments on catharsis do have redeeming quality like the beginning of kaleidoscope on catharsis i fucking hate but as the song goes on it, it actually has some really good redeeming features it it really occurred to me listening to supercharger and catharsis back to back that actually catharsis 45 to 50 minutes of that record is is great the, the real issue with catharsis is is quality length control and, and quality control yeah. exactly and actually and whilst there are lows on it again you've just said it on but i don't think any of them are as low as the lows on this whereas you know supercharger is 56 minutes and 30 seconds and i reckon 20 minutes of it is a good record and i reckon there's a good 45 to 50 minutes that's good on catharsis a whole so, 20 minutes Wow. I, I well I, as I said I think 5 of these songs you know I I I Bulldozer crashing around you uh I would put only the names in there supercharger and I think I would put definitely silence in there uh I, I would go back to but everything else I think is crap
0: well we need to rank it but before we do um we'll just sort of finish up the aftermath now the band went out and toured the record but it seems like no one was really that bothered there is a piece with rob and the band in france they go out to france with kerrang uh they go and play france and kerrang goes out to see them um cypress hill are on the cover and i have got this copy of kerrang somewhere in my house because i read it Only a couple of years ago I found it and I read the piece and I was like, bloody hell. And it's called um, Flynn Fights Back. And I can't find the issue anywhere, so I can't properly quote from it. But essentially, if people think press are mean to bands now, fuck me. You should have read this piece. Because they basically go out to France to see Machine Head and the whole thing is oh, everyone hates Machine Head now. The new album's fucking rubbish. No one's come to see them. The guitarist has left. They're all in a bad mood. They got dropped by their label. They're going to split up. We just thought we'd go and sort of point and laugh at them. And Mm. it's not painting Machine Head in a very good light at all. And there's one bit where Rob says, he thinks that, you know, he's like, no, no, I think Supercharger is the best material that we've ever made. And whoever the Kerrang! writer is just sort of goes, ha ha, you idiot! You fucking stupid idiot! And then at the end, they sort of, admit that the show was really good they're like yeah the shows will be good in Brixton but fuck me this band are dead like they sort of grudgingly go the show was quite good but Machine had are done like they're completely done and and it was so close to being right and they were so close to being like right and Aru Luster uh, left the band at this point he was kind of away from the band and um, then he came back for the Brixton shows um, they replaced him well, while he was kind of taking his hiatus with Phil Demel. we all know um that after that tour finished the band decided to rehearse as a three-piece did a demo got turned down by a load of bands phil demmel said he couldn't commit and then he did commit and they wrote blah 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 came in from the cold he made him a full-time member they recorded through the ashes of empires and it was a significant enough quality for roadrunner to re-sign the band and then they released it and we all heard imperium and we went, way machine at back, sort of.
2: Apart from Kerrang, who well, gave through the Ashes of Empire 2Ks. Uh,
0: calling it a directionless mess of an album that is chock full of widowsome solos and moments of musical complexity, in inverted commas, that actually get in the way. Uh, calling it the sonic equivalent of eating last night's delivery reheated pizza today. The band didn't take too well to that. Dave McLean said that it was gutter journalism. And Rob Flynn said the reviewer could suck our dicks Fair enough. Uh, um, this is the statement lovely. they put out. We are we are all shocked, surprised, and disappointed that that particular Kerrang journalists have decided to attack us with such belligerence we have many friends supporters and allies within the Kerrang organisation Kerrang have been champions of this band and as music fans we have been avid supporters of the magazine since its early days while some of us within our own organisation feel it would be completely justified Machine Head head have no intention whatsoever of severing Kerrang's involvement with our UK tour dates over something as petty and trivial as this we hope we can sit down soon have a beer have a good laugh and put this all behind us which, um, you know, it's all a bit kind of petty and everything. But, you know, everybody liked sort of certainly Imperium. And then they did the blackening, didn't they? So it was all sort of worked yeah. out in the end. Which
2: got 5Ks in Kerrang, yeah. deservedly as well, yeah. I would say. Uh, but yeah. So
0: we probably won't talk about the blackening. But broadly, I think as a kind of comeback album, Through the Ashes of Empires, feels like a pretty good return to form. I don't think it's quite as spectacular as some people would have you believe I think Imperium obviously is oh, I'm glad uh, you said that. fucking I'm fantastic totally song. agree but uh, yeah what do you oh, think what, what do you think Tom
3: oh, I d- I'm not even a fan of Imperium actually mostly because I think that chorus is, is awful um, just really clunky lyrics and, and there's some there's a lot of bits on this album where it's like it's basically a good song and then one bit will kill it for me and there will be one really awful vocal take that they've somehow managed to include like there's a lot of iffy vocals um there's they've clearly been listened to at the gates as everyone had because it was you know what 2004 by this point and you know metalcore was happening 2003 yeah yeah 2003 Three, it was still yeah. it was still everyone had heard you know alive or just breathing and and everyone was going yeah. oh yeah we love sweden again um and there's like it, there's in plenty that voice. new metal on Yeah, exactly, in that voice. Um, <laughs> there's- Interestingly, there is actually a surprising amount of new metal on it. Bite the Bullet has loads. Um, and the singing on there is quite awkward. That, and c- Left Unfinished, has got loads of corn. There's loads of corn on that. Okay, it's got loads more Pantera than anything they've done for 10 years. But, you know, it's it's still there.
2: I'd say there's some new metal on it, but not loads. Okay, I- I mean, the- but there's still compar- some. Yeah. It's not like they
3: yeah. ditched it entirely. Yeah, um. No, no, no. That said, the odd bum vocal take aside and the clunky chorus here and there. Overall, the quality's way better than Supercharger by miles. I yeah. still think that if it's an, if any other band had done it, like if this was an unknown band who just signed to Roadrunner releasing their debut record, everyone would be talking about potential rather than this is wicked. The Blackening, different story. That's you know absolutely amazing. But I I still listen to uh, Through the Ashes and go. I it's, I it's very good but that's it
0: uh, yeah I I agree with you actually For what for, I, I think what it did is made me listen to Machine Head and go ah they sound like Machine Head again that's fair you know mm. I, I I mean I think Imperium is brilliant I think um, you know you've got stuff like Days Turn Blue to Grey I think it's great Descend the Shades of Night is absolutely yeah. fucking fantastic
3: In the Presence of My Enemies
0: yeah in the presence mm, of my enemies is really mm, good as well yeah, yeah I, I think you know elegy i think there's some there's some there's some really good there's some really really good songs in it is it the best machine ed album at that point absolutely not absolutely not but in terms of how low they had gone you know at this point people were still really like Ugh, about the burning red let alone fucking supercharger which had just completely died a death and i think i mean i would i would take the essence of empire over the burning red just i think same same yeah
2: for just balance for balance um through the ashes of empires is my fourth favorite machine head record so i i i fucking love it um it
0: it might be my fourth or fifth to be honest but i still think they have made they had made they had already made two albums that were significantly superior to that but this is a good album that sounds like machine ed i think
2: burn my eyes the more things change and the blackening are the three that i would put above through the ashes so yeah two of them yeah definitely but but um i i i absolutely love through the ashes of empire and i'm sure i said this on riot act before but um you know it was the 2k review in kerrang meant that i didn't buy the album for like six months and then i picked it up at a sale and i was like I, I, maybe a lot of it was to do with my expectations being super 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 low because of that 2k review and then um i listened to it i was like i think this is fucking great i don't know what karang are talking about and it was the big one of the first uh album reviews that i read in karang which made me go mm, i'm not sure if i'm going to 2k you know, is
0: not bullshit I, right
2: yeah yeah insane i I, th- I think it's at least a 4k record i mean i think it's a 4k record i don't think it's a not quite fuck, I do
3: it? maintain, though, that it suffered enormous amount from Death Magnetic Syndrome, right? Because Death Magnetic got loads of people saying,
2: Yeah, it's really good.
3: Metallica are back. Again, In exactly in that voice. Um, because it wasn't St. Anger.
0: <laughs> the Bee Gees were really, like, loving metal around those days, weren't they? They
3: fucking yeah. loved it. Yeah. You, but, but, yeah. My lifestyle. determines my death style. Um, <laughs> but it,
0: because it wasn't
3: St. Anger, everyone went, It's not St. Anger. It's brilliant. And the reality was, actually, it's it's quite a problematic record it's got loads about it which you listen to and going oh that, that's that's not very well recorded is it that got, mm. that they've been playing that riff for about 15 minutes can they change it please and you know, the unforgiven three what uh you're taking the piss now <laughs> and, like it, it wasn't terrible but it got an awful lot of kind of eight out of ten nine out of ten 4k reviews because it wasn't some an anger and i mm. think through the ashes kind of had a similar thing
0: I think Through the Ashes of Empire is better than Death Magnetic, personally. Yes. I will say that that
3: much. No, I would definitely agree with that, but I would also say St. Anger is an awful lot worse than Supercharger.
2: Yeah,
0: I I probably would agree with that as
2: well, yeah. Oh, that's a difficult one. Mm. Uh, hmm,
1: Yeah.
2: Renfri likes St. Anger. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Okay, well, there you go. But anyway, I mean, we won't go into the blackening because, again... Much like The More Things Change and Burn My Eyes, which we are definitely going to do on a classic album at some point, I imagine The Blackening one day will come up. But broadly speaking, it was the kind of, you know, this happened, but The Road to Redemption for Machine Head. I think that Machine Head are a funny one because they're, they're kind of a band, I think, up until a point, a lot of the time, you the the official story of what people think about a band is not often what how i feel and i agree with it but this is one of the few times that first kind of two decades of machine Ed's career i am like yeah that seems about fair how people feel about it is kind of broadly how i feel about them it's only when bloodstone and diamonds comes along and i'm like bloodstone and diamonds is fucking wicked and most yeah. people don't seem to think it is which is odd to me but anyway
3: i'm with everyone else okay i just yeah, think it's, sure. i just think it's the blackening part three and i'm kind of so uh, with that? Uh, and, with that. And, but it's but, but very much like diminishing returns I think it's kind of it's um, do you it's prefer what, it to Seven, Seven Storm and Drang isn't it? or whatever that, that Lamb of yeah. God record that was quite boring yeah. um,
0: do you prefer it to Unto the Locust or would you take Unto the Locust
3: uh, oh um, it's kind of difficult I get Unto the Locust I think is an album that is very skillfully crafted but lacks a bit of inspiration I think Bloodstone and Diamonds has a few more moments of inspiration but I think isn't mm. quite as well crafted so
1: uh,
0: I mean, I nothing as have... bad as that children's choir on fucking Bloodstone and Diamonds. I no, know that's to stick to no, beat the with that, like cartoon okay. thing. In. I,
3: I will grant you that there is nothing that bad on anything ever. Frankly, I'm Star. Wars. <laughs> we talk. You spoke about Star Wars: The Phantom Menace earlier. That is a better, better thing. And George being stepping in the poopy <laughs> is better than the children's
1: choir.
2: Right. Well, yeah, uh,
3: um, this is who we are.
2: Yeah. I think I think Bloodstone and Diamonds is is for the most part excellent. Um it's too long. Mm. Uh is the main criticism with it. It's far too long, but uh, uh, but I think it's got enough on it to to redeem most of it. Yeah. funnily enough the two opening songs. Um Now We Die and Killer and Kings are my two least favorite songs on the album, but there we go. It's probably for another time. It
0: is, yeah. Uh, right, we've got to rank this. Now we've got to put this somewhere in the, in the thing, Renfrey. I mean, Tom, feel free to, to, to kind of chip in if you have any very strong opinions. But obviously, Renfrey and I have heard all of these records. Now, we have a little chunk, which is kind of totally comprised of crap, rock and metal bands so you got theory of a dead man cold chamber which is 21 21 to 25 theory of a dead man's the truth is cold chambers chamber music super collider by megadeth one more light by lincoln park and how the fuck is generation swine above all of them generation swine by motley Crue. with what i would suggest tom is the single worst song you could ever possibly imagine
3: i need no persuading that botley crew are absolutely terrible
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i mean i would say you are one of us tom i would say i would say go and listen to brandon but then at the same time no, no why would i why would i do that to someone <laughs> um he is your mum he is your son oh <laughs> Um,
2: Yeah, no, it's awful. Terrible. Um, Well, I I mean, this album's better than all of those. This album
0: is better than all of those. I think you've also got Christmas in the Stars by Star Wars, which is an absolutely ludicrous cash-in, and I think it's above that as well. Um, You've got Famous First Words by Viva Brother, which is um, trying to reinvent Britpop. I mean, this was cash-in on new Metal. At least new Metal was popular in 2001. Britpop wasn't popular in 2001. 2012 one of those idiots got out so above that razor light razor
2: light awful um rediscovered by
0: puddle of mud but like you know terrible cash in covers shit uh hefty fine by the Bloodhound gang not funny and then you've got the boring boring shit dirty vegas one we always say how boring that is streets of sky by the enemy so boring pigeon detectives we met at sea so boring lenny kravitz baptism so boring Love Beach by Emerson Lake and Palmer, so boring. And then you get the stop shitting on your own legacy um, ones, which is kind of so. Black Flag, What the? By Black Flag, absolutely shafting their own legacy on that record. And Songs of Innocence by U two, um, utterly like stu- like a stupid stupid thing to do and an incredibly boring album
2: just as i'm glad you stopped around here because this is roughly the area i was thinking of as well
0: i'm still saying that it's better than all of those records
1: Mm
2: -hmm. i'd agree yeah
1: i'd even
0: i mean attila by attila Mm -hmm. is not really there's nothing on that that is totally offensive but again the lyrics are stupid and it is a mess it's a complete (laughs) fucking mess isn't it that record and also,
2: and also, Supercharger does have the odd redeeming feature the here. And there. Redeeming I, feature. I said 20 minutes worth of good music, that is very kind. Mm. Um, I think maybe even you'd agree there's 10 uh, like 10 minutes worth of good music on Supercharger, maybe 50. or even that, minutes. you're a little bit under, <laughs> yeah,
0: maybe 10 12 minutes <laughs> yeah. of decent material on it. 10 yeah, minutes, um, yeah. and yeah, 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 and then we get to it's very Batman, hard, very hard to put anything above macho man randy savage's be a man since we've put it in there now look yeah who's who's a bet here's what i'm gonna say, who's a better rapper rob flynn or macho man randy <laughs> savage
2: <laughs> um cause... I would, I would give it to Rob Flynn by a whisker, by a whisker, <laughs> by a whisker. So
0: <laughs>
3: damning with faint praise.
0: <laughs> and <laughs> he gets, who's a better rapper?
2: Oh, Tom! Ma- please listen to that macho man, Randy Savage. <laughs> it's album. it's amazing. So funny. It's so funny,
0: mate. There's a Hulk Hogan diss track on it, Tom. You <laughs> fucking love it. <laughs> <laughs> you really should. You really should listen to Do it. You know it's what, great. mate? Well, Tom. That was great, Tom. Hulk Hogan had the nerve to phone Macho Man Randy Savage's dad. Can you believe it? No wonder Macho Man's furious. He phoned his dad. What the hell is going on? <laughs> Just listen to it and come back to us. Next time you come I'll back on you the a show. Link.
2: it's so funny. When we pull Iron Maiden yeah. out
0: of the hat and you come back on, well, we want you to have done that and Macho Man Randy Savage. Is Rob Flynn a better rapper than Madonna?
3: No. Um, I'm good to, This is where I was going to say mm, I, I, as much as that's not a good Madonna record I think that might be a better album because at I least it's got Madonna singing on it and not that I kind, kind of, of wavering I nonsense. think
0: this is the point where I go there's some absolutely awful shit on that Madonna album and she is a terrible rapper. A terrible rapper. But she may be as bad a rapper as, as Rob Flynn. I personally think that the good songs on American Life are better than the good songs on Supercharger.
2: Ooh, okay. We we are in exactly the same place. Bar it sounds like both of you are saying you you would put Supercharger above American Life, and I was actually going to suggest that we put Supercharger at forty one, just below American Life. I'm happy to. Um, it's I also,
0: mean, also, I was going to get to like I was hoping we'd get to is Rob Flynn a better rapper than Fred Durst? Who's coming up? In the call. <laughs>
3: i'm taking the Um, fifth on that one yeah he's not i think
0: fred durst is definitely a better rapper than rob flynn definitely
2: (laughs) we we have a situation where we have three people assessing it rather than two and i'm happy to to go you know democratically and 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 put it um put it what are we suggesting just just below you're saying madonna's better so yeah yeah. i I mean i'm happy to do that i
0: think madonna is like personally i mean you've so you've heard american life tom
3: yeah 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 by
0: madonna it's not great right
3: no, it's not. You know, but I'm drink,
0: not... I'm drinking my latte. I I, my, I, oh. I drive my Maserati and I drink my latte. <laughs> like
2: <laughs> drinking Maserati. Yeah.
0: What What's worse, I'm driving my Maserati and I'm I'm drinking on my latte or fucking you know oh you gotta stand tall to be a good person and oh God. like I don't know what's worse out of those two or like what was it like set your shit I wouldn't lick your shit if it was on fire whatever I wouldn't
3: piss crappy. on your shit if it was on fire yeah, yeah. Uh, yes yes
1: yeah
2: I mean that was a bonus track to be fair <laughs> yeah which was only on the digipack yeah. version of the record and you, know, the, you know what, what best, else was the the on the bonus track on. You know what else was the on
3: album. the bonus track? A cover of Hole in the Sky. Their,
2: their cover of Hole in the Sky, which is which is decent. Which yeah, is, yeah, yeah. That's, that's and, taken from the Nativity one of the Nativity and Black albums. Yes. And
3: obviously that that is a fucking staggeringly good song of yeah. one of the best Black Sabbath records.
2: Yeah, and there, there's also live versions of uh, Desire to Fire and um, someone else, uh, Blood, Sweat, Tears. So, you know, the bonus tracks do actually, even though it makes the album another twenty minutes longer, uh, for whole, For Hole in the Sky and and the, those live versions alone, it, it's actually the version. If one were to check out Supercharged, it's actually the version I'd recommend. But yeah,
0: well, we're not counting them. So,
2: but we're not counting. We're not counting them. Counting so, <laughs>
0: Now, the other thing with the Madonna thing is Machine Head here are jumping on an already popular trend, whereas Madonna popularized something quite awful. Because that kind of broken, beated acoustic <laughs> thing, do you know what I mean? That 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 producer, I've forgotten the guy's name, that French producer who she worked with at that time, not William Orbit, mm-hmm. the awful one. She kind of popularized that for a very, very brief moment, as opposed to Machine Head going, ah, new metal, let's do that. So I think they should be punished a little bit more harshly for not even coming up with their own idea at least madonna kind of came up with her own kind of style a little invented bit something yeah.
2: even if it was crap
0: it was mm. crap but it was, crap. it was her crap it was her crap wasn't it as opposed to like <laughs> taking somebody else's crap which is essentially what machine had done so is that fair do you think renfrey to put it in between macho man randy savage and madonna
2: I think those are very fair arguments, and like, I mean, I was already convinced because of the democratic thing, anyway. Okay. I, I like if you were asking me what would you much, what would you rather re-listen to, Supercharger or American Life? I would just go with Supercharger, but there's not enough in it for me to argue it too strongly, anyway. So yeah, I'm happy to do that. Okay, That's cool,
1: totally fine,
0: great. So there it goes, Machine Head Supercharger goes in between. <laughs> I mean, I want to see that tour, Pink Floyd, Madonna. Machine Ed and Macho Man Randy Savage. That is a tour that I would definitely, definitely go to. Um, oh, wow. Next week. This is going to be a bit of a sad one. Um, it's because the album's bad, but also just a sad one because talking about it makes me sad. We've got Scream by Chris Cornell. The late, great, oh. the late, great Chris Cornell. Uh, it feels like a pretty shitty thing to do. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay.
1: Uh,
2: yeah. I adore Chris Cornell, but I do not adore that album. No. That is that is going to be quite hard. Okay. Mm. Bum.
0: Anyway, well, there you go. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. And we will be back next week talking about Chris Cornell's Scream record. Thanks for coming on, Tom. We appreciate it.
2: Thank, Thank you, you doing very your, much for having me. It's
0: like me. kind of... Yeah. Mm, jury duty isn't it like jury service <laughs> yeah, cool,
3: right. it's more like more like firing squad duty really <laughs> yeah.
2: we are yeah. always very grateful for your insight and uh, tom and and we always go on for a very very long it, time it but we very much appreciate bloody, it thank you
0: bloody long this one isn't it it's, a, yeah. it's the most anyone's <laughs> yeah. ever talked about supercharger ever anyway we'll be back next week we'll see you then we're talking about chris cornell but for now uh... <laughs>